In every generation, there is a chosen one. A show that becomes a pop culture juggernaut. We're talking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The Bachelor. Breaking Bad. Game of Thrones. And sometimes a series will come and go without anyone even noticing. Some are canceled in their prime. And others never should have seen the light of day. Regardless of the reason, we are here to guide you through all the shows that were gone too soon. They may have only been on air for one season or less, but the drama, the joy, it'll all be remembered here and now. I'm Abby. And I'm Roberto. And this is Dearly Departed. Buckle up, everyone. And get ready for an adventure of epic proportions. Nazis. Clucks. The FBI. More clucks. The Bible. This is Zero Hour, part one on ABC. Dearly departed, are you listening? We will remember all about you. When you were canceled, we were trembling. We can't believe that they would doubt you. We won't forget. Look, I don't want to like, I don't want to start a pattern of apologizing because I don't like apologizing. Well, this is less of an apology and more of a clarification, right? In my opinion. Um, in our last episode, um, our I look, it's my fault. We were very serious and very passionate about some things that are not true. (laughs) (laughs) I can take responsibility. Um, in my research. You know, and by research, I do mean my Wikipedia page read. Yeah. Um, you know, there was talk of Kevin Federline and Char Jackson's relationship. And you, lovingly, in a passing moment, said, quote, Roberto, they were not married. And this is true. Okay. Mm. We have to own up to it. I have to own up to it. Unfortunately, they were not married, so... But look, but look, but look. Hear me out, right? Even... They were partners. They were partners. They were engaged. They had two children together. They had two children together. So we weren't, you know, we weren't spouting lies. We were just spouting a little bit of misinformation. So, but look, go back to the last episode and replace... Every time we say wife with fiance or life partner, because for all intents and purposes, he was. Yeah. He had made a commitment to this woman to be with her so forever. Great. So we're perfect. So let's move on. We're perfect. Wait, there was one other thing. Oh, Brittany does have a brother. She does have a brother. Brian? Question. Brian. Cool. That's it. So that's it. So we've covered our tracks. Thank you for listening to our Brittany and Kevin chaotic episode. We had so much fun recording that. We had almost too much fun listening to it back in the editing. Um, it brought us as much joy to listen to as it did to record. And also, okay, so we, we briefly mentioned in the Brittany and Kevin chaotic episode that we had found an editor, but like we did not fully feel the effects of it until after because we have been motivated like We're you wouldn't believe. so grateful and so excited to do this podcast now that we don't have to edit it ourselves. So really just shout out to an angel. Justin, whose middle name is also Angel. Um, you rock. Keep editing. Can we just like take a moment to talk about our new studio setup? I feel like this is kind of the best studio. <sighs> we've setup been bouncing we've ever around. Had. Um, we're so budget. Like we just we have nothing. 
Um, <laughs> we were we were recording at our at our kitchen table for a while, and that was fun. But our roommates are back from Thanksgiving vacation, and we can't just like be yapping and being foolish in the kitchen. So we're back in the bedroom, but we're not on the floor. Did did they know we were on the floor before? Now they know we were on the floor, and now we're like totally upright in chairs, <laughs> um, and we're really comfy, cozy, and we're really relaxed. We're comfortable. I'm and sipping coffee. Roberto is sipping a rosé. Five dollars at Viarda. <laughs> this is the state of mind. I think we need to be in in order to dive into our new show our next show we fucking decided to bite off some shit that we cannot chew this is so intense it's such a dramatic shift from britney and kevin chaotic to zero hour which is the show that we will be covering today it's not okay okay it's like we went from a teen model show yeah to a reality docuseries yeah right 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 to i don't even know how to describe this because so with the other two shows, we kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into. We had, we had no... We had an idea. We had not even the slightest clue. So we wanted to watch Wayward Pines. Turns out Wayward Pines has two seasons, so we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so we were desperate to find... Like, we wanted something kind of fantasy. Um, we wanted, something like, an adult. hour-long drama. We wanted a different network yeah you know we just wanted to do something a little bit different we want to be able to change it up and it took us like two hours to like pick a show we just we really take our fucking time on every streaming service although there's an endless amount of canceled shows like there's only so many we have access to yeah there's not an endless amount on like hulu and netflix and like there's not an endless amount available and those that are available just like did not were not speaking to us or they were like also cw shows or they were in the same vein. So we're doing Zero Hour, which we are enjoying a lot. We are really fucking enjoying I'm ourselves. I'm so much This fun. is not typically the kind of show that Roberto and I would watch together, so it's a nice change it's of pace. It's not a show I would ever watch. I would never read this It's not a show that anyone would watch, which is why <laughs> it is the lowest rated in-season <laughs> debut for a scripted show ever on ABC in yeah. 2013. So Sounds the show right. premiered February 14th, Valentine's Day. Um, 2013, nothing Valentine's about the show. Oh, actually, you know what? They're very in love. Um, it was canceled three episodes deep, but they had already shot the full 13 episode arc. So they canceled it after three episodes, but then they burned off the show over the summer, like screened it over the summer during like a, probably the middle of the day or like some kind of like dead time. Fun fact from the Wikipedia, Zero Hour also aired in Australia in 2015 in an overnight slot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but just think that really brought some poor like insomniac a lot of joy yeah they were like no one's talking about this show and still to this day no one's talking about it you have to until, google you have to be now. very specific with your google search for it to even come up yeah. um i will say this show not that bad i see i mean we'll get into like why it was canceled like i totally see why yeah but It's got its merits. Like, it's doing something. It's certainly entertaining. Well, from the get-go, I I think a clear difference for me as a viewer, it's, it's, I think one, it's the first show that you and I have done um, that has not been off a shitty YouTube 
like re-upload because we're watching it on Hulu. it's available on abc you're able to watch it on abc oh that's um, where we're watching it on abc.com um so immediately like there's just just a stark difference in quality it's also like the show had a budget it did have a budget and i mean look if they filmed all 13 episodes and, and with the budget they have which we'll get into like abc had a lot of high hopes for this show i'm sure they lost a lot of money on the like, show i don't they even think about this it. was going to be a hit i'm sure yeah so it has you know this is us like really getting intellectual <laughs> getting spiritual um just i'm like, gonna say right off the bat yeah i know so little i'm not gonna pretend yeah you know Look, we've talked about it before. We're not doing our reading. I have very small pockets of knowledge that are relevant <laughs> to this show. Um, but I'll just say, like, I would compare it to the overlap of, like, any kind of Dan Brown novel, Da Vinci Code, meets National Treasure. Yes, yes. But ten hours of that. Um, I'm very, like... With just like less sense, vomit. I would say a little bit less sense, um, but also like so much research had to go into writing this script. Oh yeah, but then at the same time, like it still doesn't really like follow and it doesn't really <laughs> check out. I'm like, mm, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, it just gets more and more like convoluted, convoluted as it goes on. But let's just like jump in because there's so much plot to unravel here, and I want you guys to listen closely because you will be entertained and you will learn something if you follow. I My don't voice. make those promises. I'm not going to, but I I believe Abby. I do. The listeners are already asleep. <laughs> You're welcome for that lullaby. Look, we can't prepare them anymore for what they're about to get into, so. So, we open and the opening credits is like years of a clock. The first episode is called Strike. It's not even just pilot, it's Strike because they were like expecting the show to go places. Episode one, strike, clock gears, and we hear mysterious voice, 12 is a magic number. It represents both the ending and the beginning of time. Ooh. Because ooh. with it being like the top number on the clock. Right, right. So clocks apparently are going to be a, a huge motif in this show. So we jump right into Germany 1938. Already I'm like, what? <laughs> if you know anything about Germany in 1938... You know, we have the rise of the Nazi party. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty much the only context I have, okay? Um, I did go to high school, sort of. Look, the public school system I has failed. I attended at least three days a week. Most of us. So, a group of men are in, like, a cool-looking basement, building clocks under the leadership of a priest. And we see a private exchange between a priest and one of these clock builders, where he says to the clock builder, the prophecies are true. The end times are near. Stakes are fucking high. Like, it's like been 30 seconds and I already know these stakes are (laughs) off the charts. He quotes some Bible verses about the apocalypse that I didn't take down. Um, But apparently the dead have arisen. So it's 1938, but the world is ending. We've got a priest building clocks and the dead are coming back to life. So we follow this priest and this other guy to a hospital slash lab where Nazis are doing experiments. Yeah. And the priest leads this guy to a room with a baby, a newborn baby in like a box. And this child was quote unquote born of no womb. 
I'm in. I'm hooked. So, I mean, it's 1938, but is this a test tube baby? Is this an immaculate conception? You know, is it a cloning? We don't have any of those answers, but that's what's in our heads, And the thing about this show as a 2019 viewer, you know, immediately we're like, ooh, what supernatural science fiction voodoo are we about to get into? It's none of that. It's, yes, correct. (laughs) It is. We're about to get into revelations. (laughs) (laughs) That's the sorcery we're about to get into. Okay, so... They look at the child's eyes. They open the eyes of the of the baby, and it has these like putrid looking, like white glassy <laughs> eyes with a tiny, like almost microscopic black pupil in the middle. So it has funky eyes. Now I know what some of you might be thinking: How did this priest and other man get access to this Nazi lab? Don't know. Don't care. Correct. Um, but they're chased out by Nazis. The Nazis don't wear swastikas. I don't have a, I don't have, once again, I don't have a concept of like 1938, so I don't know what the uniforms looked like. I'm going to assume. If anyone's a historian. I'm going to assume that these are period accurate. Keep your third historically Reich. accurate facts German. to yourself. Yeah. So they're wearing German uniforms and they chase the priest and the other guy who, I can't picture him, but there was another guy. They chase them out of the lab. Yeah. Then we are back at the church and we find out that these men that are building these clocks are Rosicrucians. Now, I give it to us. Give it to us. (laughs) I'm not doing my research right now. I think later on we're going to do more reading about Rosicrucians. Don't make promises. We can't. For me, it's like I want the show to teach me all I need to know. I don't want to have to do external research in order to understand the show. Okay. That is going to ruin the experience of watching a TV show for me, right? Now, going into this, I have heard the word Rosicrucian before. I have a concept of Rosicrucians as a mystic sect of Catholicism. So they're like, in my understanding, funky Catholics that are like more spiritual and more into like mysticism and magic okay so magic catholics love it love fun it. i mean i'm fucking in like yeah. this sounds fun so the rosicrucians are protecting something that is hidden in a tunnel underneath the church and it's like a big ass crate yes it's a very important giant crate um that they are protecting because if the nazis find this crate it will mean the end of mankind as we know it now these stakes these stakes it's like, how did this crate get below this church? We don't... It was like... Why are you was... wasting your time asking these questions? <laughs> just take what's given to you. Just take what's given to you. It's like... But just know, it's a it's a very dramatic image of this submerged wooden, wooden crate, crate being pulled up from the water. And I think there is some sort of like a cross on top of it or... It's or... an important crate. Yeah. It's a spiritual crate. It's fucking God's crate. This is God's crate. In Germany in 1938. Exactly. So the Nazis raid the church, the Rosicrucian church, and they massacre everyone inside, except for a few guys that escape with the big crate in a truck. And they drive off with this crate. Um, This has been five minutes of the show. (laughs) Five minutes. We did have to pause it just so that... Abby could take some notes. I was like panting. (laughs) Like, okay. So commercial break. Then we open on New York City present day. Yes. And we see a couple in, I would say their mid forties, walking by a river, hunting a flea market. I will say this is the moment that you did turn to me and say, quote, 
well, this is why the show got canceled. They're not hot. I did say that. I did say that. Here's the thing. Like, they're not ugly. Like, I'm not here to, like, call anyone ugly. But I know what sells. Right. And I know what people want to watch. And, I mean, I need my Mystic Catholics to be, like, tits out. You know? Right. Like, that's like, what's going to get like me watching. Like, if it was Patrick Dempsey and, I don't know, like a Michelle Monaghan, Monaghan type. Oh, we'd oh be my on God. season five. Oh my God. Don't even, I'm sweating. But it's neither of those It's actors. not. So it's it, two people. Um, he is balding with a furrowed brow, but kind eyes. And is also and many a Emmys. well-respected actor. You would not know by his performance on the show. We're not fans of this performance. Once again, like, I don't want to harp on the negativity here, but like, I'm not, we're not a fan of Hanks. I'm okay with it. Look, his, his performance was. It's wooden. Stale. It's wooden. Um, his name is Hank. He has That's all kind you need eyes. to know. <laughs> um, and he is macking on this very pretty woman. Beautiful. beautiful named Layla. Stunning woman, yeah. She's stunning. She's very beautiful. Um, she has sloppy highlights and a hideous shoulder bag. <laughs> Just like the ugliest shoulder bag. Thank God it's not in any other scenes. It yeah. was screaming at me. It's like all I could pay attention to. It's like, oh my God, Catholicism, but that shoulder bag. Okay. So they're shopping this flea market and they're very much in love and we get a shot of them kissing framed by a literal frame like a dangling frame that's being sold at this flea market i see you cinematography that creativity is off the charts um they're just like they're so in love but hank has to go to work but they make plans to like maybe meet up for lunch later now we will later find out they are in fact married. Yeah. Based on this exchange, I was like, oh, like fourth date, fourth date match.com. Yeah. But no, they're married. So they're just like the love is still alive with them, which is really inspiring. Um, maybe they save themselves for marriage. Maybe that's why. That's definitely it. That makes a lot of sense since they're definitely in their forties. Um, Layla, the wife, she talks to... The, the scene ends after Hank leaves, and she's, like, talking to this creepy-looking flea market vendor, and she gets very interested in a very, very fancy clock. Yes. And that's it. We don't see her by the clock. It, but we know it's the clock from the openings, like, one of the clocks. It's one of the clocks that was being built, for sure. I mean, it looks... Yeah. It looks mystical and Catholic, so it must <laughs> be. So then we see Hank at work. He is the editor, I believe, of... Modern Skeptics Magazine. He runs that empire. He's really trying to elevate the magazine because these kinds of magazines can definitely have a tabloid lean. His staff, um, headed by um, Thing 1 and Thing 2, we never learn their names. No. I mean, you probably do, but we personally did not learn them. One is male, one is female. Yeah, one of them has... They're both white. One of them is a... A pretty girl. The other one is a man who would probably be handsome if he didn't have, like, the world's most horrific haircut. Well, he he will become handsome. I can't tell you the actor's name because I don't remember. Didn't care to look it up. But if you've ever seen the hit ABC Family show Greek or are fans of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, you will definitely recognize him as the hot, hot mean lawyer from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and the douchey frat guy from greek i feel like there's probably more than one douchey frat guy in greek um they know the one cool so his haircut (laughs) in this is like chin length flippy at the ends greasy bangs like straight on top but somehow curly at the bottom it's just like really upsetting and i don't know if this well actually i was a 
I was alive in 2013. It wasn't actually that long ago. I was in high school. This was not a popular haircut. No. So right away they're missing the mark on style. Um, it's just apropos of nothing. It's just not. It's just not what men looked like in 2013. And I think he had a goatee. I too. mean, maybe yeah, mm-hmm, a bad one. Maybe the kind of men that work at Modern Skeptics magazine. So they want to do a piece on werewolves, but Hank is not into that because he doesn't believe in werewolves and he doesn't want this kind of like tabloid frivolity in his magazine. He wants like hard hitting answers. He's a journalist. So then we see somebody violently break into Layla's clock repair shop. Oh my god, they're such a fucking quirky couple. She He's a magazine clocks. editor. She repairs clocks. I would watch this version of 500 Days of Summer. Now I know what you're thinking. Wow. Ten minutes in and there have been so many clocks. <laughs> Don't you worry. Oh, there's more gonna be are so on the many way. more clocks. <laughs> So many goddamn clocks. So her clock repair shop gets broken into and the police arrive, but they're too late. She's gone. Things have been destroyed. She's disappeared. And Hank arrives on the scene and he is so disappointed with the police work. He's not fucking impressed. First of all, they were late. His wife is gone and they like have no answers. They don't even really seem that concerned. Hank is about they to think put it's the a investigation. Routine. They in think it's a routine journalism. robbery, but she's like next to a jewelry store. So why would you rob a tiny ass clock repair shop? I mean, Hank is an intelligent man. He knows that that doesn't check out. That doesn't he make reads. sense. So he knows that whoever was there must have been interested specifically in Layla. So he goes to his writers. He's with Thing One and Thing Two, and they want answers. They want to know how was she kidnapped? How is this guy following her? But Hank, Hank doesn't care about how. He cares about why. He tells them, stop thinking about how she was kidnapped. Start thinking about why she was kidnapped. And that's why he is the editor of Skeptic Magazine. That's why he's not fucking Thing 1 or Thing 2. He's Hank. (laughs) He's our lead. So FBI detectives arrive at Hank's store. And one of them is hot. And we will call her FBI hottie. Yes. Because she's hot. She's with the FBI. Her name is... Beck. Beck. Her name is Beck. I'm like screaming. I'm like getting really into this. Um, (laughs) She's really beautiful. She's an FBI agent. Um, We find out she's really not good for much, so I don't mind calling her hot because she doesn't do much else. No, no. Um, But they have an idea of what might have happened to Layla. And they have traffic camera footage of Layla in the middle of the day getting violently shoved into the trunk of a vehicle by a man whose face also was caught on camera. So, not subtle. Not trying to be subtle. No, not at all. And FBI Hottie identifies this guy as a French terrorist slash mercenary called White Vincent. Just give it to us one more time. White Vincent. Yes. They call him Vincent for the first couple episodes, so I didn't realize what his name was until I, like, Googled the show. But it's White Vincent. Vincent, well, as in the color white. In all of my notes, he's just French terrorist. Yeah, well, I went through and crossed it out and, and wrote down White Vincent, because that's yeah. his name. And they tell us in this first scene what his name is, but, like, Roberto and I were... Too confused. Actively blacking out, like, <laughs> so just overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> I bet you people listening to this are not overwhelmed, and they really are concerned about our attention well, spans. look, if you had fucking... If you've been watching Siren or... The Beautiful Life, or, I don't know, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic, you would understand <laughs> the type of content we are used to. So, 
FBI hottie is suspicious of Layla. She's like, why would this terrorist want your clock-repairing wife? She must have been up to no good. Hank is not hearing this, so Hank just kicks her out of his apartment. Yeah. He's like, get the fuck out of my house. Like, I don't want you here. You're not, like, you're not trying to protect my wife. You're not trying to save my wife. You are just here to be, like, critical. And I don't really care about this terrorist. I just, like, want my wife back because we are very in love. So Hank goes home and he finds the clock that Layla had purchased earlier that day. Um, and he instantly knows it must be important because it looks, you know, like a historical relic. It's a very beautiful clock. Um, he immediately opens the inside of the clock because he's familiar with mysteries. He's no fool. Look, we don't have time to waste. He opens the clock. This happens so quickly. I'm like, uh, my jaw was on the floor. He opens the clock. Inside the clock is a tiny diamond. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you heard correct. He holds up the tiny diamond, shines a light through it. And a treasure map is reflected on his wall. Well, I believe Thing 2 was like, oh, look. Right? Because Hank was like, oh, what is this diamond? Uh, uh, I want my wife. Uh. Thing 2 being the man yes. with the greasy hair. Yeah. You know Thing 1 and Thing 2 are the ones actually doing the work. They're the ones actually uncovered. They have solved all the clues. And Hank has just been there like, okay, time to get on a plane. That's true. They're so disrespected. Even by us. We don't know their names. <laughs> <laughs> so what's important is that there's a clock with a diamond inside. The diamond is tiny. So like the diamond is not a good motivation for kidnapping because like it's a tiny diamond. Like there's a jewelry store next door. But then when you shine a light through the diamond, you see a map. Yes. So treasure map. Yeah. But Hank tells thing one and thing two, treasure maps don't exist. Treasure maps were made up for entertainment. That's something for books and movies and Treasure Island. It's not something for reality. At this point, I don't know exactly what Skeptic Magazine is. Because we don't it ever seems really. like he is taking the fun out of everything that would be in the Skeptic Magazine. Well, I think he's a skeptic. I think that's the point, is he doesn't believe. But then all the articles are about werewolves and, like, fun anomalies. But are they? Because he's shutting down those article ideas. So then what is the magazine filled with? I don't know. We see at one point, I didn't, it's not important. I didn't really take notes on it. But at one point we see a flashback to him speaking at a UFO convention about how UFOs aren't real. First of all, why would you invite <laughs> someone who doesn't believe in UFOs to a UFO convention? Like it, just to have like your resident, like so, devil's so advocate. Then the, the magazine is just him taking these like wildly known stories and, and publishing. Dismantling them Dismantling and, and them. focusing on the facts. Well, then he needs to hire a new staff who fucking knows what the magazine's about then. I would agree. So the the map is in an extinct churchy language. That's what I wrote down. That's my understanding of this language. So, you know, Hank is like... This, wasn't it just Latin? No, it's <laughs> definitely not Latin. <laughs> Sorry. It's definitely not Latin. Is it Latin? I don't. I it can't, better not be fucking Latin. I can't tell you. So, no, it's because it's an extinct language. I mean, Latin is extinct, right? But, like, people still know Latin. They still speak Latin. Like... Latin is still used in the church today. This is a language that is not being used. If it is Latin, then fucking fuck me, I guess. So <laughs> Hank is like, if you don't know something, you need to find someone who knows it. Wow, amazing advice. So they go to a priest. This is the priest that married Hank and Layla four years ago. Now, they're newlyweds. Uh, they've only been married four years. When they went to this priest, look, I don't know much about the priesthood, but just like, does every priest know about fun cool mystic roman catholic secret orders 
No idea, because neither you nor I grew up Catholic. I mean, I technically went to, like, Catholic Sunday school. But you don't seem to remember any details. Well, it was in Spanish. Um, my Spanish wasn't great then. You're just kind of, like, grinning, nodding. Okay, love Christ, you know, Mary. You know, I was there just, like, definitely thinking about, like, Jesse McCartney, you know. <laughs> Where's Jesse McCartney? I bet he was on a canceled show. Take was, that down. He was actually on a successful show. I know, but I want to see him in a canceled show. I'm sure we can. So we are talking to this priest, <laughs> and the priest looks at the map, and he's like, well, this map shows the Western Hemisphere, but the language that the map is in was extinct before the Western Hemisphere was discovered. So dun, they, dun, are, dun. they are rewriting history. That's what he says. Like, this is a very, this must be a really important relic because it's literally rewriting our understanding of history. Now, once again, I'm sure as savvy viewers, you're all thinking, my God, they're, the plot is going to unfold. They're going to have to release this information. History is going to, there's going to be a panic. No. 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 But um, I'm, someone listening must know what this language is. I, look, I don't care, so don't tell us. But the priest, <laughs> he connects this language to the Rosicrucians. Full circle, baby. The Rosicrucians, they're relevant again. And um, while they're at this church talking to this priest, White Vincent calls Hank on the phone and threatens Hank. And he reveals that Hank was right. This clock it was his motivation because he tells Hank, bring me the clock today or I will kill your wife right now. So this man is violent. He's scary. He's a terrorist. Um, the priest, <clears throat> my voice cracked. <clears throat> the priest advises caution. He's got ideas. He doesn't just sit around reading the Bible all day. He's got fucking thoughts. And a so, name. <laughs> what it is I can't the priest. tell you <laughs> so he advises caution he thinks that they should hatch a plan where they bait the terrorist with the clock and they exchange the clock for Layla but they keep the diamond this show really makes um, being an FBI agent look really um, accessible <laughs> um, because that's exactly what the FBI like, decides to do I could be do. an FBI agent tomorrow but I could never be a priest <laughs> because I could do what FBI FBI hottie does, but I could absolutely not do what this priest does. I don't have that kind of knowledge. So Hank tells the FBI what you know, like, about this rendezvous that he's going to meet up with White Vincent to get his wife back. But he doesn't tell them the truth about White's motivation. He says that he just wants money, which of course doesn't make sense because Hank doesn't have that much money. Although he does. He must he be like fucking rich. so much money. Apparently. Or a lot of travel miles. The FBI does not promise Layla's safety. It's from the from the get-go, they really don't care about Layla and if she lives or dies. But of course, that's all Hank cares about. So that's like his main conflict with the FBI. Hank gives the diamond to the priest in broad daylight on the sidewalk. Yes, and? Even though they were earlier inside a dark church alone, they decide to handle the diamond outside. Look, Hank, on the may, sidewalk. Hank may claim to be an intelligent man, but the show constantly reminds us that he's just that another he's fool. he's a fool and thing one and thing two deserve a raise. I mean, they probably get paid a lot. They also travel. So the priest takes the diamond in broad daylight on the sidewalk and puts it in an Altoid tin. 
in his breast it's pocket. Been so long since I've had an Altoid. I don't have any right now. I've been eating these like really delicious Korean mints. So, <laughs> the FBI are like on a roof watching this rendezvous that's happening in like Central Park or whatever, or some park in Brooklyn. I don't know shit. So, Hank is rendezvousing with White Vincent, and White's not there. He calls him on the phone and he gives him him instructions. Walk here, walk there, go to this coffee shop. And as this is happening, Hank stops to tie his shoe and White Vincent is like, yes, keep walking. Very good. So Hank realizes, oh my God, Vincent can't see me. This must be a distraction because he's not actually here. He's not watching me. So we see that White Vincent is actually sitting in a car watching the priest oh my god probably because he saw what happened on the sidewalk five minutes previous right so white vincent is watching the priest who is entering his home and hank realizes that this must be what's going on so he chases after the priest at the same time um the FBI raids where they think White Vincent is watching from, and he's not there. It's just, like, a camera feed. Yeah. Because White doesn't give a fuck about Hank. All I'm saying mm-hmm. is that if it was Priyanka Chopra... As the FBI as the agent? FBI agent. Oh, my God. This show would have been over. Priyanka Chopra. International superstar. Michelle Monaghan. Oh, my God. Patrick Dempsey. Should I remake this show? <laughs> honestly an incredible idea I, I would do it as a movie i would do it as a 90 minute like in okay. and out flick i'll talk to my my financiers and, and see what i can do <laughs> find out if they can get us a studio <laughs> so hank goes to the priest's home and the priest is on the floor his throat has been slashed. His altoids are everywhere. The... <laughs> that was honestly the most upsetting part. His altoids are st- they're so dusty. <laughs> they're not going to do anything for your breath now. And the diamond is nowhere to be seen. Fuck. You really fucked it up here, Hank. You got your, your priest merdered over a diamond with a, with a map, a tiny, tiniest diamond. And I know this may sound like a pilot cliffhanger ending. But we are in the middle of the episode. <laughs> We're in the middle of the episode. They haven't even gone overseas yet. So Hank, for some reason, is furious at the FBI. Here's the thing, Hank. You lied to the FBI. You told them to, like, watch you in this park. You decided to give this diamond to a lowly, a lowly, I don't know, to a priest, right? I think maybe all of this is your fault and you should get off the FBI's ass. I mean, the FBI are terrible on the show. They accomplish nothing. But Hank also accomplishes little. So stop playing the blame game. Exactly. Now, he fears that Layla is dead. He believes that she's dead. But his staff, thing one and thing two, they tell him to believe. You know, he's a skeptic. He's not a believer. But thing one and thing two are believers, and they they tell him, believe, believe that she's alive, and we will solve this clock mystery and find Layla. Now, thing one and thing two are not, we eventually learn, the only people on his staff, but they're the only ones that have speaking roles. Exactly. Um, 
there's a history there. What it is, the show will not tell because us. Because they really love Hank. They, like, yeah. hug him tenderly. At first um, I was like, are these his children? We thought they were his kids, but him and Layla have only been married for four years yeah. and they don't have any children. So the map, the treasure map that was in the diamond, the X was in the Arctic Circle. Yes, they took photos. They, they were took photos. To so photos. They, have the, they, they still have the map information, even though they don't have the diamond anymore. Hank decides to fly to the Arctic Circle because he knows that that's probably where White Vincent is going to go with Layla. He tells thing one and thing two, stay here because it's not safe. And if you go anywhere, the FBI will track you. White Vincent will track you. You'll all end up dead. Is it not safe or is it not in the budget? Why does Hank think that thing one and thing two are important to anyone but him? (laughs) So he immediately books a flight to the Arctic Circle. But while at the airport, FBI hottie stops him in his tracks. She's been watching him. She knows where he's going. And she tells him. Her husband died in a plane crash that was orchestrated by White Vincent. So she has a personal stake in this game as well. Look, I don't know how the FBI works. I can't pretend to, other than my limited knowledge from watching a season and a half of Quantico starring Mm -hmm. Priyanka Chopra. That being said, I just feel like if someone you were desperately close to died in a terrorist attack... That doesn't immediately qualify you to join the FBI. Not only that, but then once you're in the FBI, I don't think they would hand you that case. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. That being said... I think that... So, she was a... The the writer of Prison Break may know better than I do. She was a... Oh, the guy that wrote this show also wrote Prison Break? Yes. That's an important detail. The guy who wrote the show wrote Prison Break. I have never watched Prison Break. I don't know anyone who has. But from what I gather, people... Lots of people do watch it. People love the show. So she was a social worker, the FBI hottie, before she joined the FBI. Her husband was murdered, so she joined the FBI so that she could catch his murderer. That's her motivation. I don't think they handed her his case. I think they put her on this case of... Hank's kidnapped wife, and then they spotted White Vincent, and she got excited because that's the guy she's after. We love a coincidence. So this is just working out for her. (laughs) She demands to go with Hank because they both, you know, are. he's trying to find his wife, she's trying to avenge her dead husband. Hank doesn't give a fuck. He's like, you know, my condolences, seriously, like, that's tough, but, like, you're not helping me, you're not helpful, you're irrelevant. And she's like, I guess then you're just going to have to watch me follow you. So he lets her come with him because whatever. And she's licensed to carry a gun internationally. That's how she sells it to him. She's like, look, I'm licensed to carry a gun. She can't shoot the gun because she's a terrible shot, but she's licensed to carry it. Well, the thing is also that, (sighs) look, Hank is a fool. This is the second time we're going to say it. It won't be the last. Um... He has zero sense of danger. Danger. He just is always wandering into situations he knows are going to be dangerous. And, like, thinking it'll just be fine. And, like, like not preparing in look, any Look, he's way. an entitled white man. I'll fucking say it. You said it. I heard it. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the Arctic Circle. Did you hear that? I hit, I hit the sea. So, as they are flying to the Arctic Circle, thing one and thing two... Find the clockmaker's address who made the clock because they're useful (laughs) and they find answers because that's their fucking job. So then we see we cut to White Vincent 
and he is in a motel room acting crazy. Layla's not there, as far as I can tell. He's destroyed every clock in the motel room, like the alarm clock, the wall clock. He's just destroyed everything because he's acting foolish. He's unhinged. And we see him in the mirror putting in his or taking out his contact lenses. This is very important. So listen the fuck up. White Vincent has the foggy, glassy, white eyes with the tiny pupils that the Nazi experiment baby had in 1938. Additionally, we only ever see him have one glassy eye. We have never seen him have both contact lenses out, whether that be because the actor refused to put the contact lens in for both eyes. Interesting. I just assume that probably both of his eyes look like that. Also, this idea that, like, he can't even be in a room with clocks is never again. He never again is unhinged and destroys, like, normal ass, just, like, clocks on the wall. <laughs> um, but I think that this is just to establish, you know, that he is, he's a violent, unhinged Because sociopath. the fact that he's a terrorist would Wasn't not. enough. Who bombs planes? You right. know, that, that wasn't enough information for us to understand right, that right. he's crazy. So... Is he the baby from the experiment? I don't know. Do you know? No, but maybe. Um, <laughs> Does in, the writer know? In Canada, yes. Hank and FBI hottie hire a, a plane, like a single little plane, to fly them to the Arctic Circle. They ask the pilot, did somebody else come through here asking to fly out to the Arctic Circle? And he's like, Oh, yeah, somebody did, but the weather was too bad, so I told him no, and he decided to drive. So they know that White Vincent is going to drive to this spot in the Arctic Circle. So they'll have one over on him if they fly, because driving is going to take days or a day. Yes. And the weather's fine now, so this pilot is down to fly them to the spot. While this is going on, we thought thing one and thing two, we thought the clockmaker was in New York with them. No. <laughs> The clockmaker is in Germany. They disobey Hank's orders, thank God, and fly to Germany. Zero hour is international. It is so international. It's flexing that budget. The establishing shots are very nice. Um, and they track down this clockmaker who they find out immediately. They knock on his door, he lets them in, and then tells them everything. Because <laughs> um, he trusts them. Like, they must be the good guys. He is... This clockmaker is a Rosicrucian. And he remembers this specific clock because it's very important. So, of course, he was one of the men in 1938 in the church basement building these clocks. He tells them that the map in the diamond, in the clock, leads to New Bartholomew. But New Bartholomew isn't a place. It's a person. That's right. What? What do you mean? New Bartholomew is one of the new apostles. These new apostles reflect the original 12 apostles from the New Testament, Jesus' apostles. But they were established in 1938 to protect a secret that could bring about the end of the world. <laughs> okay, full circle. So this is bringing us back to the beginning of the episode in 1938. So we have the end of the world. We have a secret church crate and we have 12 apostles. One clock was made for each apostle. Yes. 
And then these apostles scattered to the globe, all to the four corners, with their clocks, to protect the secret. He also mentions that New Bartholomew was a Nazi officer. Yeah. And he mentions that the Nazis had figured out the first step to eternal life. I.e. the baby born of no womb. Now, the clockmaker stresses that these secrets have to be protected from the wrong people. And that's why he's telling these two plain-drain Americans who entered his home. Yeah. He just assumes they're trustworthy. You know what? I'm not going to argue with him. Look, we have to get this plot out there. So we're getting intercut. So as all of this is getting revealed to Thing 1 and Thing 2, they're getting answers. Hank is getting more confused. Him and FBI Hottie make it to the Arctic Circle. They make it to the spot. And they he's rocking a Canada Goose jacket. So we know he's schmoneyed. Yeah. He can internationally travel. <laughs> he has that Canada Goose. <laughs> In Canada. Incredible. Everything's uh. coming together. But no. They find a half-sunk... It's Either it's a sunk ship or it's a submarine. It's a submarine. It's a submarine. So it's a submarine. It's a... Maybe a... It's a Nazi submarine because it has a swastika on it. So they find a Nazi submarine frozen in the Arctic. Frozen in the exact spot that this map was leading to. Which I didn't realize i don't want this to be a spoiler. but it doesn't make sense i don't want this to be a spoiler well i just realized while you were saying this and while i was thinking about this that the man who was navigating this ship i.e new bartholomew yeah knew that, that this, this was is the spot that the submarine had to end up in that he had to die in yeah because the uh, map is uh, meant to lead to him otherwise yeah Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I didn't realize that, too, until we were just talking about it. And I'm like, that doesn't really make sense. But as you can see, this show, like, so much is going on that half the time, like, these loose ends don't even matter because we're just trying to keep up. Like, God, keep my head above water. Like, I'm really just trying to, like, keep swimming here. So they enter, um, Hank and, and FBI hottie enter this Nazi submarine. Yeah. And we see that White Vincent is quickly approaching by Jeep. He's driving toward them. And this is the apex moment of the pilot, of Strike, the first episode. Hank finds a body, preserved, a dead body, but it's frozen, in the submarine. Yes. And this is an officer in a Nazi uniform. But oh my God, Hank shines the light in, in the Nazi's face. And guess who he sees? Himself. This frozen Nazi body has that we now can face. assume is New Bartholomew. Well, he is also holding the the Rosicrucian. He's holding cross. a Rosicrucian cross in a Nazi uniform. This yeah. so much is going on. He has Hank's face. It is in fact the same exact actor. It is Hank. Yes. And that is how the pilot ends. That's the end of the episode. It's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. I'm out of breath. You're out of breath. How are you out of breath? I I was like, we were, I mean, we were like, we were floored. Yeah. And we were exhausted that we, did we jump straight into episode two? We might have. Yes, because then it was my turn to, do, we, we only did it because then we were like, okay, we're going to switch off on this show like every other episode because it's so dense that like we literally need a break per episode. 
Um, Should we jump right into episode two? Do we need <sighs> some water? No. You know, let me get some water and let me get some wine and then okay. we'll jump right in. I'm kind of nervous. You did such a good job. Uh, I know I did. Plowing through that first um, episode. Don't try to live up to me. <laughs> Just be you. Because that's enough. <sighs> and you can't be anybody else. Well, with that, episode two titled Face. Um, face. Face. And now, then clock face. Starting with the second episode, um, the show uh, has this new opening mechanism of of a clock, um, and then it 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 starts with like an intro based on whatever number the clock is on. Um, so of course, episode two starts with one, and quote, one is man, one is man, but sometimes one is two. I don't know what that means. Um, I don't know if we ever find out what that means. It doesn't make sense. Maybe if we were smarter, we would get it, but we don't. (laughs) So we jump to White Vincent arriving um, to the submarine. And immediately he hops out of the Jeep, shoots the pilot um, that FBI hottie and Hank flew in with he shoots him dead this show has an intense body count no one seems concerned it's one one. of those shows where people just get killed and we just move on shoots him dead he goes down into the submarine punches hank out and then kind of like brings him hostage now fbi hottie um is kind of is still in the submarine she's like looking through files um she hears the the commotion and, and stays hidden for a while um so White Vincent is like, oh, like, how do you feel? Like, are you losing your mind? Because he has known from the beginning, it seems like, that Hank and this new apostle share a face or in some way have a connection. He, um, he, seems, he seems hip. Yeah, like he knows what's going on. Yeah. So, um, so White Vincent goes up to Nazi Hank, frozen Nazi Hank, and grabs a pocket watch from him. Um, and he's about to like bolt, but then FBI hottie pulls out a gun, holds him at gunpoint and is like, it's over. You're done. But the thing is, is that it's not over. But it's not over. This is episode two. And he's not done. And honey, you couldn't catch him if you tried. Exactly. Hank like stands in her way and is like, no, we need to find Layla first. Layla. No one cares about Layla, but Hank. And White Vincent also does not seem pressed. He's like, I don't have time for this. Like, like I knew whatever's in that ship. Exactly, exactly. So, Hank, um, oh, okay. So, Layla, or I'm sorry. So, FBI Hottie agrees, agrees to hold off. So, she's just holding him at gunpoint, and Hank takes the pocket watch from White Vincent and he's like looking at it and 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 as soon as he shines the light away from it there he can see that there are these like iridescent glowing dots on it so this is the pocket watch that was on New Bartholomew yeah frozen so he takes some photos of this and then all three of them go back to the surface the special dots yeah special dots they go back to the surface and then suddenly everything slows down that's right folks a slow motion montage. Thank God. White Vincent takes out a contraption, presses the button. Suddenly, 
the Jeep that he drove in explodes. This isn't a minor explosion from afar. This is a high-budget kaboom. There's some CGI in there. There's some practical effects in there. The ice cracks beneath their feet. White Vincent snatches the pocket watch and bolts. He gets what he came for. He heads to the plane and takes off. FBI hottie is doing whatever she can to stop him. She's shooting him. She's missing. She's shooting him. She's missing. She's shooting him. He's gone. Um, He gets in the plane. He flies away in the plane. And she has once again accomplished nothing. Now, once again an amazing opportunity to really get some character work done, right? Like, oh my God, FBI hottie, Hank trapped in the Arctic Circle. What are they going to do? It does not matter because we immediately go back to Brooklyn. They're fine. They're just Well, because she has a walkie-talkie and she gets them airlifted out by the FBI. Yeah, she's pissed and she immediately... So she's good for something. She immediately tells Hank, look, next time, I'm not hesitating. I see White Vincent. I'm shooting him down. Like, okay, yeah. Sure. We we look forward to seeing that. Right. Now, Hank, hearing this, he's already distrustful of the FBI, right? So he's like, well, I can't trust them. Like, I need to find Layla. That is my priority, right? Yeah. So they part ways. So back at the office, um, thing one and thing two, like, try to talk to Hank about you know what this all means you know they just got back from germany they just learned about the apostles about the new world new bardi um hank doesn't want to hear it because as established in the first episode he's a skeptic he doesn't believe in all this mumbo jumbo but the thing is is that he is freaked out by seeing a guy with his own face and i think that's why he doesn't want more information because he's scared he's afraid but do you know what he does admit to believing in his love for Layla. That's all that matters. This, I would say... That's why it premiered on Valentine's Day, baby. Is almost his sole character trait. Is that he loves his wife. He is so in love with his wife, and that is his reasoning behind every bad decision he makes. I'm going to be honest with you, that is what I'm looking for in a husband. Total and complete devotion devotion to me. Devotion, yeah. As your only character trait. Um, That's what a sociopath looks for in in a partner. Think about that for a second. What does that make Layla? I don't know. Let's go over that later. Let's think about that <laughs> later. Just have that seed in your mind. So so as they're figuring out their next step, like, what do we do? What do we do next? Who walks through the door but the priest? Guys, I know, I know what you're thinking. What? Like, look, he had his throat slashed. He literally had his throat slashed. But look, they took him to the ER. They put a nice bandage on his throat. He's fine. No vocal damage. No other possible side I bet effects. you he can still sing in that choir, baby. Exactly. He is fine. So he's like, look, what's up, y'all? Like, I'm here to help. I lived, bitch. I lived. And look, like... What doesn't kill Hank, me makes me stronger. Hank doesn't actually seem that surprised to see him alive. So I guess... It's, well... I interpreted that as Hank doesn't care because it just <laughs> truly nothing else matters to or Hank. Or that Hank was keeping tabs on his hospital visit. That's an interesting interpretation of this show. So so the team... Oh, okay. So then we go and we visit White Vincent. He is in some seedy hotel room. Layla is still his hostage. Um, and, and he just leans into her. 
um, he, he's very touchy with her, right? He is very touchy. He's, he's asserting his dominance, and he's like, Layla, what do you think your worth is? And she's like, my husband loves me. <laughs> well, she literally was like, I have no worth. I cannot help you. Don't you think if I could help you, I would? I know that I have nothing to offer you. <laughs> And look, she's wrong. <laughs> I mean, I think she's right. <laughs> like, she might be up. So back at HQ, um, the team is catching up the priest on their adventures. Um, and they, they talk about, you know, the end of time. New party. Zero hour. Oh, that's what zero hour means. The end times. The end times. Yep. Um, and then the priest is like, oh, well, you know, it's all about interpretation, you know? I'm sure during World War II, they thought it was the end of times. Like, that's, like, every generation thinks, like, this is it, you know? Some um, people thought Obama was the Antichrist. Exactly. So, you know, um, the first sign of the end is, is the sores, right? Um, and he's, he's talking about, like, oh, some people interpreted that AIDS, the AIDS crisis being, like, the first a sign of a sign of, of the end of the end and you know but don't worry y'all because the second sign hasn't come yet you know this the sign being rivers of blood rivers running red with blood yeah yeah being the next sign so this is where i was like do i remember this well from I the think, bible i think what we established was the show's using a lot of biblical imagery and and concepts but not actually tying it back to well this could actually be in revelations i don't i'm not going to pretend to know i haven't really i don't think i've read revelation beginning to end yeah um so this could be in there they also sound a lot like the plagues yeah from the old testament so oh that's what they were talking about i think right yeah but these but these plagues from the old testament being like repeated at the end times to usher in the end of the world yeah um, but the main point here is that everything can up be to interpreted. Every generation interprets this a different way to mean that the world is going to end tomorrow. Yeah. 2012, baby. Yeah. Which might be a wink, wink. I think it's a funny way that the show was like, this could all be fake or it could all be real. It could all be real. <laughs> so the team realizes that the 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 pocket watch that was found on new bartholomew leads to new thomas and you know how they figure this out thing two realizes that the glowing dots are stars duh this is something that we both knew the second we saw it at the beginning of the episode we're like hank those are stars as the editor of modern skeptics should have immediately looked at these glowing dots and gone oh that's a star formation yeah he should have immediately put that together. But you know how Thing 2 figures it out? Because he had those sticky stars on his ceiling. Yeah. Brittany also had those. It all comes together. In her tour bus. Fuck. So, but that that's not enough to give them a location. No. Right? But then they realize that the star formation, the constellation, combined with the time on the clock and the date on the clock. Right are enough to give um the location where could you view that star formation on that day in march of 1938 correct correct and then you've got your location and where does it lead them india baby international right. we're going to south that's asia right so um and, and just for specifics because it's going to come back later the date on the watch is march of 1938 and that's i think a similar time frame is there a date or is just the month of march I mean, 
Don't put me on the spot. Okay, moving on. Um, so then probably a commercial break, and then Hank confides in thing one and thing two about his frozen double. Now, once again, they want to join him. Look, they want to go to India. I want to go to India. Seems fun. Um, but he's like, no, no, it's too dangerous. So me, an unarmed man who couldn't figure out that these were stars, so I'm going to go by myself. Um, but he does give him a task. He's like, look, FBI hottie, while she was in the submarine, she was like looking at files. She got like a journal, like see if you can get some info. Okay. From this journal. From the journal. So thing one, um, the female thing, um, (laughs) she arrives at FBI Hottie's doorstep. And this scene is so... It's, like, tense. There's, like, sexual sexual tension. To me, but I think we're projecting 100%. Well, I think it's that FBI Hottie... I'm not... I'm not... Look, I'm not gonna say that she's... in a tank top. Covered in tattoos. I'm not gonna judge the FBI's hottie, the FBI hottie's acting ability. I would never do such a thing. But I will say is that she exudes an underlying sensuality. Yes. As do we. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, so, so thing one arrives at her studio and it's filled with art. And we learn that FBI hottie's dead husband was an artist and that she, again, is just so, she she hasn't she hasn't processed really she hasn't accepted what happened she hasn't let go so she leaves so that makes me wonder work how many years has it been since he died that she was able to become an officer detective not only just become an fbi but seemingly become an fbi agent who has a lot of pull and can do whatever she wants but like she still hasn't taken down her husband's art i mean she could just leave it there forever it's like yeah. a, it's a cool vibe it's like a very hip brooklyn walk of apartment yeah, like covered in in giant art pieces um so they have this moment where they kind of just confide in one another. You know, she, FBI Hottie talks about her husband. And then thing one um, reveals that, you know, she feels really indebted to Hank. Like, he employed her and he even housed her for a time. Um, this is all that we get from her backstory. Just that at some point she was homeless and needed a job and Hank gave that to her. But that's what explains how much she loves Hank and, like, their connection. Exactly. Because she does really love him. So if any journalists are out there listening, I know you've put in your time, you did your schooling, you probably worked really hard. Just find a nice man who runs a magazine to hire and house you. That's an amazing idea. That's what I'm gonna do. Okay. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> um, and then do we get a little discussion on FBI Hottie's tattoos. Her she has tattoos. Oh, um, she talks about. I think they're they're in a different language. She speaks Hebrew, Hindi, and Thai. Yeah, because her before she was an FBI agent when she was a social worker. Her and her husband. They were globe trotting. Spiritual love is everything. Which Let's... money seems to be no object for any character on this show. Social workers do not make very much, and I'm going to tell you, most artists don't make very much either. So he came from money, is what I have to gather. And he must have left her some money, too, if she yeah. was able to go to, the, like, the academy to join the FBI. Exactly. So, so FBI hottie is like, look, take the journal. Like, I, I, I didn't get anything from it. Like, it was useless to me. But, like, I'm going to hand it to you, but you have to tell me what Hank is doing. Like, what he's doing is dangerous. He needs help. Clearly she is the protection that he needs despite not being a very good agent um and being a bad shot so 
Um, Look, I'll take what I can get. If she wants to protect me, she can she can come along. Um, so thing one and thing two are looking over the journal. Oh, sorry. Skipped a note. So we're in India and Hank, um, he finds a really, really hot priest. And he's like, look, have you seen Layla? Because once again, it's all about Layla. And the hot this priest, priest was really hot. Yeah. The hot priest is like, um, no, but I've seen that man. I've seen White Vincent. He's like over there. <laughs> and Hank is like, okay. So back to headquarters. We have thing one and thing two. They find a name in the journal because thing two somehow knows German. He learned German because he had a crush on the German exchange student in high school. That tracks. And so, so he learned an entire language. So He's a brilliant man. He sees the name Corbin Stern, um, who, based on this journal, is, is a Nazi researching the zero hour that the clockmaker from the first episode referenced, the end of times, what our entire show is about. Corbin Stern is New Bartholomew. We don't know that yet. Well, I know, and I just said. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> Roberto's like, mm, stop. <laughs> this is my episode, Abby. <laughs> oh, you ruined everything. I'm just kidding. I love you, and I would die for you. So, um, so they find a collector of Nazi memorabilia. Um, how they get from Corbin Stern to a collector of Nazi, Nazi memorabilia. memorabilia is is a question mark to me. Yeah. But it is a very iconic scene. Scene of them opening the door to a room just covered in swastikas. And they're clearly very creeped out yes. by this guy. Now, there are no overtly Jewish characters in this show. Um, just saying. Maybe they could do better. But um, Look, they gave us a black priest... And a few diverse other priests in other countries. That's so true. You know. And FBI hottie. Yes, yes. Is a woman of color as well. Exactly. Um, They're doing what they could do in 2013. They enter this this Nazi treasure drove of Nazi relics and memorabilia. And this guy is so giddy. Yeah. So... They sit down and they're like, look, does the name Corbin Stern mean anything to you? And he's like, oh, I have like a, a film. Well, they say zero hour. Does zero hour Oh, they say zero hour. Okay, yeah. so they say zero hour and then it leads um, the collector to like put on a film for them. That's labeled as zero hour. And then they put on the movie and um, they see images of Nazi Hank, of frozen Nazi Hank. AKA, but he's not frozen in these videos. Corbin Stern. Yeah. And he is in India doing these experiments on this young Southeast Asian girl. Like, she could not be more than, like, maybe six, I feel like. Is he doing experiments on the girl? Well, that she's he, they're putting, like, electrodes on her head. I don't, she's Indian. She, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're doing these experiments, and the, the young girl, she has a birthmark on her face. And the collector lets them know that supposedly Corbin Stern was doing experiments looking for the secret to life and death. And that the young girl... are we all? <laughs> honestly. Collagen. <laughs> and the young girl in the video could supposedly... She was known, like, in the area for being able to talk to the dead. Um, but a short time later, she disappeared. So back in in India, um, they take pictures too, right? Like they take pictures of this projected film of the girl. I think so. They also, I feel like they didn't. They weren't 
that shocked that Corbin Stern was. He might have told them that he saw himself frozen, but so I don't they were think like he prepared. did. I don't think that he told them. He I think told they were them. surprised. He told them. But um, you know what? They've seen weirder shit. They write for Modern Skeptics yeah, magazine. So. so back in India, Hank spots White Vincent. Um, and he's like running after him, but then he gets stopped by like these two thugs who are of course about to beat the shit out of him. But then who shows up? FBI hottie. She followed him all the way to this town in India. Exact spot. Knew exactly where he was and saved him. So Hank doesn't want her around um, because, you know, she promised to shoot White Vincent on the spot. But she's like, look, despite having no reason to change my mind, I have changed my mind. I promise if I see White Vincent, I will just cap, like, bring him in and we'll find Layla. Because maybe she's inspired by Hank and Layla's love because she had that once with her husband. Yeah, I just, I don't buy it. Um, so, thing one and thing two call Hank, and they're like, look, there's this little girl in the video. I'm thinking this little girl might be New Thomas. <gasps> a female? Yeah. Apostle? I know. Like, who's Indian? They. That's crazy. She's respected. She's maybe talking to the dead. She's she was, spiritual. She's hanging out with And look, Rosicrucians are funky. They're into, like mystical shit so they'd be into a girl who could talk to the dead so then back in brooklyn thing two is reading some more from the diary and he finds a secret page dedicated to corbin stern aka nazi franks or nazi hanks um wife and um and and with and this voiceover coupled with um some hd nazi footage as you pointed out yeah um they with they, like a little they didn't know they made no attempt to make this to look like aged film. Yeah. It was straight up HD. Yeah. With a few filters. Um, and and we learn with this montage that, that Nazi Hank, a.k.a. Corbin Stern, was not a man of hate. He was a nice Nazi. You know, he, like, didn't believe in their agenda. He's a holy man. I mean, he still did experiments on children. But yes. he was nice. But he was nice and he loved his wife. Yeah. So in the present, Hank returns to the place. If there's anything that the show has taught me, it's that <laughs> loving your wife is the only thing. It is the most important thing. It is the center of what makes a man. Some could argue that was the same message that was delivered in Brittany and Kevin Chaotic. And the beautiful life TBL through the characters of... Raina slash Spax and love is everything. That's the theme of our podcast. Guys, Holy shit. Is love everything? No. Can someone in love tell me? <laughs> There's so, other things like money <laughs> so, and beauty oh, and things. sex. <laughs> so Hank returns to the place he was attacked and he realizes that they weren't just like thugs, like going around beating up Americans because they didn't even try to steal his wallet, you know? They were guarding something. Wait, not something. Someone. So he returns and he brings like some offerings, like like some flowers or some something. Um, and they like let him in to this like sacred space. And in the center of it, there's like this spiritual, holy like woman um, that they refer to as Standing Mother. Um, she's very important. She like everyone around her clearly respects her and admires her. She's an older woman. Um, So he approaches her and he like just points to her face and then starts touching her. I was so (laughs) horrified watching this moment. She has like a white, she's 
a Hindu spiritual, right? Yeah. She has a white powder on her face. And he reaches and smudges the white powder off of her cheek, trying to see if she has a birthmark. But it was so invasive. He makes no... So She doesn't say anything to him to give him permission to touch her. She's obviously a holy woman in India, and he just is so entitled to her body. I mean, the Let's thing, talk about that. Well, the thing is, grow, so growing up, I, I my, both of my parents are deaf. So growing up, it was fascinating to see the 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 extent to which people will try to communicate. Because I spent most of my life watching my father essentially play a game of charades. And I mean, of course, I understand sign language, right? So, like, I know what this man, like, I know what he's trying to convey. But I also took a step back and was able to be like, okay, as a human, could I understand what this this deaf man was telling me? And I feel like most of the times, yes. And it was fascinating to see other people just, like, kind of have a glazed look over their eye, like, making no attempt. And, of course, when they try to communicate back, you would think, oh, let me try to charades back. But no, it was just like... Let me shout. Let me not even shout. Most of them would just talk. Like, normally. And it would be like, I'm so confused. And that was, like, it was, like, paralleled in this moment for me watching this scene where I'm like, he makes no attempt to actually explain to this woman, like... He makes zero attempt to communicate. It's like, he just thinks that she understands immediately why he would just want to grab her face and smudge white powder off her face. That is probably part of her holy garb. Exactly. We will learn in a few minutes why she, it seems that she's okay with this, but... Well, also, she, even if she wasn't okay with it, she's not violent. She's not gonna, yeah, like, yeah. do anything. Yeah. So, he he moves the white powder off and, and sees the birthmark. It is, in fact, the young girl from the video. Um, and, and he is like, look, do you have a clock? Like, do you have a clock? At this point in the episode, so much was going on that I'm like, what? Wait, what's happening? Like, what is the point of all this? So, he is looking for the clock in order to find out where white vincent is going or to have something up on white vincent in order to hopefully get layla back. to use that to get yeah. Layla. so he's like look i need a clock and sh- so far each clock has led to another clock and we know that each of the apostles is meant to have a clock yeah so so throughout this um fbi hottie begins to translate um and she speaks hindi i don't know if you remember that from her tattoo scene <laughs> so uh, the standing mother the the holy the holy woman um, tells Hank that she was told that if she ever saw Hank's face, that she was to destroy the clock. And he's like, "Oh my God! Like what? Like who told you that?" And she's like, "You did." Of course, she didn't say that in English, but oh, she points to him as what she just like points to his face. Yeah. So he was the one. So we can assume that. Corbin Stern told her that if someone with his face ever came to her, that she should destroy the clock. So this is an interesting turn of events because now we know that Nazi Hank knew that his face could possibly be repeated. repeated, Yeah. So Corbin Stern told her that if she ever saw his face again, it would mean that the angel of death is coming. So she believes that Hank must be the angel of death. Yeah. So suddenly there's a scuffle. Shots are fired. FBI hottie being the really sharp-minded, focused, yeah. amazing FBI agent. Again, begins to randomly fucking shoot. She shoots down the other, um, the assailant. And who does it turn out to be? Hot priest from the from the beginning of the episode when they arrived in India. 
what? Why would this hot priest be shooting at them? So Hank He's goes, a Rosicrucian. They're peaceful people. Well, we don't know that until just this moment. Hank goes up to him and he sees yeah. the Rosicrucian cross and he's like, what? Like, what's going on? And we're like, what's going but on? But Rosicrucians don't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, so while all this ha- is happening, they, they had like chased the hot priest for the shootout, like to some other part of, of the area. White Vincent arrives and approaches Standing Mother. And of course, it's unclear if it's out of fear or what, but she just like literally moves from her spot. Now, she was named Standing Mother because she had made the vow to stand in this spot for like seven years. Like, yeah, it had been seven years and she had not sat down or moved from the spot. So she moves from the spot and the spot where she was standing right below her is where the clock was buried. So he grabs the clock and he shoots her. Um, so Hank returns. She's, he sees that she's dying and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, it wasn't you. That was the angel of death. It was that guy. That guy. Um, so Hank chases White Vincent down, but like through a bunch of gates and tunnels and eventually he gets like trapped behind a gate. He's not able to get through, but he is able to see, however, that White Vincent gets into a car and who is in the back seat? Layla. Layla is here in India with White. She's alive. Now, in this moment, we get a montage. Um, it's like a parallel between thing two reading the letter that Nazi Hank wrote to his wife and this moment between Hank uh, seeing his kidnapped wife and not being able to reach her. And it was all about how Nazi Hank um, chose the world over his wife. Right. Meanwhile, we're watching Hank choose his wife over, over the world. Over the world. That's what makes him different from his Nazi counterpart. That's the only thing <laughs> that separates them. Yeah. So is that the end? Almost. Two more notes. So standing mother as she uh, as she is dying is like Hank. Hank is now responsible for the death of like a holy woman. Yeah. She's like Hank, hun. Look, you need to stop because the quest that you're on is literally going to end the world. And his response is, but I have to save Layla. He um, chooses her over the world. And she's as, God to him. She's everything. And as Hank and FBI hottie like leave India, what do they see? A river. A red river. <gasps> what? This is the river that all of the local fishermen are using to like dispose of fish guts. So it's running red with fish blood. But of course, this <gasps> Is this the second sign? Now, here's the thing. Tell me. They've probably been using this river for fish guts for generations upon generations. They've probably been doing this for a long time, A. B, this is not the only river in India or in the world where people are disposing of fish guts. In my mind, you know, as someone who is, I would say, moderately familiar with biblical texts, who knew about, you know, prophecies about the end of the world as a child this was something i was greatly interested in i was very scared of the book of revelations maybe if i was seven years old and i saw a river in india running red with fish guts i would think this is a sign of the apocalypse but as an adult journalist or adult fbi agent simply no (laughs) simply no this is not this is just a regular practice for disposing of fish guts. I mean, there are there are rivers in India where they dispose of dead bodies and other places in the world where they do stuff like that. It just doesn't check out as being a sign of the apocalypse. It's not mystical. 
it's not like God is zip zap and now the rivers are running red with right. blood. You know, it needs to be more magical. It needs to be more like alien. Well, the show is all about what is real. The real facts. The real you know, what facts. can we touch, feel, see, hear? And look, that is the end of episode two. So like Hank and FBI hottie, like I need to sit the fuck down and take a break. So we'll be back. Maybe. We'll be back with episodes three and four. Thank you for listening to Dearly Departed. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe on your preferred pod listening platform and check out our Instagram page at Dearly Departed The Pod. And if you're feeling extra saucy, leave us a review and make sure to share with friends, family, and even enemies. Now, back to the nonsense. Episode three is called Pendulum. Ooh, yes. And I'm not necessarily sure that that has anything to do with the episode. Well, it doesn't seem like any... I guess episode one being called Face, episode two is like, what, Strike? I don't okay, know. Okay, so Face is the face of a clock. Strike, okay, like, it, the clock strikes 12. Pendulum, obviously we know what a pendulum is. It but it swings. has no bearing on. But they're parts of a clock. Did you write down the title of episode four? Um, yes. And it's definitely gotta have something to do with a clock. Um, we can pretend. Uh, I don't. I just don't know off the top of my head right now. I don't have my notes. Pendulum opens with um, our ominous clockwork opening and the voiceover saying two is the number of love. Um, obviously, it really pisses me off that they're talking about the number two, but it's episode three. This is what happens. But think. I, so I thought about this because episode 13 is going to be the final. Twelve. Twelve. Well, and um, episode one was zero. So, zero so of course, zero through 12 is 13 numbers. Right. Oh, my God. It's actually a wonder I didn't finish school. <laughs> I'm just such a well of mathematical knowledge. Um, and episode three opens with a really exciting opening, in my opinion. It's Hank finding Layla in a dream. <gasps> I remember this. So yes. he dreams that, it's all coming back that to me. he follows the signs and they lead him to like an empty room on the top of a building. Yes. Um, now and recently Layla is there. Recently, I've been watching Top Model, so I'm I'm having a lot of just like Top Model like imagery so in my mind. So you're thinking this would be a really good place for a photo shoot. Well, I'm thinking Cycle Two. There was the photo shoot where they were being dangled over in an abandoned warehouse building. Yeah. Over just there was like a giant hole in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. That's the vibe I got. That's the vibe. That is the vibe, except it's it's definitely a tall building. They're definitely on, like, the right. 20th story, yeah. as opposed to being, like, above a pit. The pit would just be, you know, the earth beneath. But I, but I like <laughs> where you're going. I like where your head is at. Um, and, of course, we think it's real when it's opening. And then he's, like, she's, like, tied to the chair, and Hank's going to untie her from the chair. And then they both look, and there's a swarm of locusts yes. outside the window. Yes. Um, we know locusts to be one of the plagues right. from the Old Testament. Um, so just the biblical imagery, you know, really hitting home again. Um, and then he wakes up. And this episode does have a bunch of locusts motifs in it. I feel like I remember. Or maybe it was... Yeah there's, yeah, there's a decent amount of locust motifs moving forward. Yeah. Um, I think the show is about to really lay in with the locust motifs. <laughs> now, we know the last episode ended with them in India. Right. Um, this with, episode... With confirming that Layla's still alive. Yeah. This episode now opens 
with Hank waking up from a dream, he's on a plane. Yeah. He's flying home to New York, despite the fact that he just saw his wife alive in India. Uh, it's crazy that they didn't get an airline to sponsor, you know? I'm just thinking, like, production-wise. I honestly don't think that they needed that product placement. I mean, they clearly <laughs> have a huge budget from some kind of wealthy benefactor that believed in the vision, you know? Right, no, I hear um, you. Of the show. So he wakes up on the plane. I'm grateful for that. He's going back to New York, apparently not concerned about his fucking wife that he just left in India, okay? Yeah. Um, Look, and... he has a magazine to run. Do we ever see him run it? No, but... Someone's writing articles. I can't tell you who. We're not in, thing one and thing two. We're in Paris, France now. Okay. I'm like, I can't even follow Hank. Like, I don't... I'm so <laughs> disinterested in him at this point. I'm, like, really disappointed with his behavior in general. I think he's just kind of... Well, he's bad. Limp, and I don't think he's... I don't believe him. And I know this is an award-winning actor, so I'm not here to, like, judge the acting, well, but I don't believe... So I don't believe that this man loves his wife, even though that is his sole characteristic. Correct. I mean, maybe I believe that he loves her, but I don't really believe that he... Well, I think that might almost be the thing. The show, there's no, like, layering or, like, it's just, like, look. It's very... I'm a skeptic. Yeah. The only thing I believe in is that I love my wife. Screw everything else. The character development is extremely straightforward. For a show that is so technically complicated and has so many yeah like plot layers and like isn't trying to make all these different cultural references and like is globally based and they're traveling all over the world right. and it has a decent amount of characters and they continue to introduce more characters as the show goes on i think that's why they don't have time to have in-depth characterization because the characters to me all of them are very flat yeah yeah and Although we have this criticism, does that stop us from enjoying this show wholeheartedly? Oh, I'm having a great time. <laughs> so um, we're in Paris, France, and White Vincent still has Layla, mm -hmm. and he is trying to get Layla to fix the clock that they retrieved in India. Um, he he continues to threaten to torture her, but he never actually tortures her. Yeah, he doesn't really do anything to her. Um, he's pretty. Tame. Benign and somewhat harmless, I would right. say. This at this point he keeps um talking about her worth. Like and and at this point I I could like completely forgot about like Nazi Hank, um, Corbin Stern, which you pointed out that's probably the reason why White Vincent kidnapped. He's so obsessed with Hank. Yeah, and like kidnapped Layla and like it's all connected. But at this point I was just like I was so lost. I was like, why is he keeping this kind of like annoying pretty woman around? Like I mean, she can fix, fix a clock. clock. She can fix clocks, but there's other people out exactly, there that, can, exactly. that but... are probably even better at clock repair. <laughs> so he gives her a dress to wear. Um, and I'm like, ooh, okay, this is getting freaky. Um, but it doesn't get freaky. Um, he turns around, in fact, and does not watch her change, which is really nice and respectful of him. And the dress is not super slutty or anything. Um, Do you remember that amazing scene in Killing Eve where someone gets her a dress and she has to... I don't remember. It's like... Someone? You mean Villanelle? Just Vill is Villanelle the one that gets she her the dress? She sends her the stress, and it actually has a listening device in it. That's right. But it's like a sexy dress. And you have season two on Prime, right? I have all of it. Damn. It's like one of my favorite shows. Sorry, I'm sorry to distract. Someone gets her a dress. <laughs> I'm like, okay, there, there's literally one 
important villain on the show and her name is literally Villanelle but who could it be who gets it it's fine you know drink that coffee <laughs> you'll get there so um he gives her this dress he turns around she changes into it turns out this isn't like sexual control um he's giving her this dress because she needs to like pretend to be his wife so that he can move around the city with her and not have her like be suspicious and she needs like clean clothes nice clothes in order to do that yeah. so he gives her a dress and a nice pair of heels um Hank enters this office in New York um because once again he's more concerned with going home to New York than finding his wife and who is in his office when he arrives the door's wide open the FBI are there yes and they're really angry I, I, I can't remember why they're angry at him I, I actually like did not write it down I guess because he like went to India and like tried well, to he's do he's just like acting rogue right and, yeah like, he's not... going after this terrorist on his own but also like it's not like FBI hottie is gonna catch white vincent on her own well and also she went to india with him so shouldn't they be mad at her for going rogue um but one of the most notable things about this scene um because it's actually the only thing i wrote down (laughs) is that one of the fbi agents is meryl streep's daughter right um i don't know her name meryl streep jr right um yes i remember it was really shocking for me because i believe she starred in a Teen Nick show titled Gigantic. Okay. I could be wrong. How many seasons does it have? Uh, I think one. Wait, can you, like, check this? Right now? Yeah, I'm just, like, curious. I just want to make sure I'm not, like, spewing off nonsense. Teen Nick, Gigantic. Um, it came on after Degrassi, The Next Generation, for those familiar. Um, there was, like, that, that two-season period where Degrassi, The Next Generation, was doing, like, a soap opera thing and, like, just, like, dropped a new episode every day. And 2011. One season. One season. Um, we're putting it on the list. Just going on the fucking list. But I remember being blown away. I was like, wow. That's Meryl Streep's That's daughter. That's Meryl Streep's daughter. Equal in talent? Um... I don't think it's fair, actually. I don't think it's fair for us to compare. No, we would never. I would hate for people to compare me to my mother. She um, was really good in in something. Okay. You know, I like, would love to see that something. <laughs> um, so, Hank gets yelled at by the FBI. Then his parents arrive. And his parents look maybe five to ten years older than him. Are they his parents? Yes. 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 Well, yeah. because I thought they were Layla's parents. Yeah. Because Layla is missing and kidnapped, you would think he would contact her parents. Maybe they're dead. Who knows? Uh, actually, I feel like she has no family, but I might have just projected that. I mean, look, if you're a character on TV, you have to have dead parents, as we've established. I know, but he has both of his, it's and complexity. they're still married. <laughs> um, and he asks them, just like really casually, he's like, oh, like, are we German? <laughs> like, do we have German family? Yeah. Um, and they're like, No. No, we're not German. No German family. So, you know, we continue to not understand why there's this Nazi with his face. But I guess, look, if I found out I had a doppelganger, I would not immediately assume, like, oh, I must be related to them. Is that... I would assume... If if I didn't believe in, in mystical things, right, which I don't, so... Okay, but how do you explain Nina Dobriv and Victoria Justice? The fact that they have the same face? Yeah. I I can't explain it, and that's why it eats away at me every day of my goddamn life. That's why it keeps me awake at night, because it can't be explained. But they could be related. But also, like, they're at least different enough looking and, like, vaguely... You know, they're just, like, 
there, there's a vague difference to them. But if you saw a picture of somebody that had your exact face, well, I always, would you not assume that maybe you have a connection in your bloodline? I guess. I also always think with doppelgangers or with any like long lost twin type of film, I'm like, I don't imagine I would have the exact same measurements haircut and... Like, they always... I mean, it's always the same actor, that's why, but, like, you know. Did you see Three Identical Strangers? Did we see that together? No. It's really good. Did you see it? No. Oh, it's so excellent. It's, like, really fun. It's extremely fun and interesting. Also dark and sad, I should should Uh, mention. Dark, sad, and fun? Yeah. It's really... A good complimentary to fun, gay, and sexy. Yeah, it's... Well, it's fun in the way that it's fascinating and, and, and sad and disturbing, but also just, like, so interesting, but... It's about doppelgangers, but they're also triplets. So they're not really doppelgangers, are they? Um, (laughs) Except they are because they're three identical triplets and that's rare. So Layla is spotted on a security camera in Paris along with Vincent. Um, The FBI FBI spot them like right the fuck away. Yeah. Um, And she looks at the security camera in this footage at this hotel and gestures at her mouth. And we see like a big ass flashback that is so unimportant I'm like not gonna get into it but the flashback is Hank speaking at a UFO convention which I already mentioned before about how he doesn't believe in UFOs right. who invited him to this fucking convention I don't know someone who just like wants to bum everyone out right um and Layla and him develop this gesture to get him to spit out his gum because he often forgets to spit out his gum. It's a really revolutionary gesture. It's very subtle. I think it really shows the complexity of their relationship. Yeah, it's her pointing directly at her mouth, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I would like to mention is the universal sign for spit out your gum. Yeah. Um, it's not like a cute thing that they developed. Can I also just say, FB- the FBI finding White Vincent through, you know, the security camp footage, yeah. I just feel like it doesn't seem like he's being that careful or that smart about evading the FBI. I, But I almost feel like this is intentional because he does want Hank's attention. Right. And that's something that we continue to see more and more of is that he is kind of obsessed with Hank and he wants Hank's attention. Yeah. Because he knows Hank is a doppelganger to this. Yeah. Um, Nazi with a heart of gold. <laughs> that's right. And don't you forget it. So, um, Layla does this gesture. And so Hank immediately tells all the FBI to search her and Vincent's hotel room, because they have the hotel information, apparently, to search the hotel room and to search underneath every surface and underneath every desk, because, of course, that's where you would stick your chewed gum um, if you're 12 years old. Um, And apparently also Hank at a convention. Um, Not on a napkin, not in a piece of paper, but no, he would just stick his gum under the podium where he was speaking. Also, I'm just amused if, hypothetically, Layla was with him at all of these events in which she would have to give him the sign to spit out his gum. Could Why she would not she... remind him before he goes on stage? Right, right. <laughs> also, he's just one of these white men that is constantly chewing gum. He's not chewing gum on the show ever, but apparently he's just like a, a gum chomper. Yeah. Which is such, I'm going to say it once and I hopefully never have to say it again, it's an incredibly unattractive quality mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. a man. I like find fucking it invest in an Altoid. Gratefully, my father does not enjoy gum. But I do find it annoying whenever he chews gum. And I don't think I've ever really associated myself with a man that is an aggressive, (laughs) constant gum chewer. Look, if you struggle with halitosis, like, I understand. I don't want to deal with that either. So if you have bad breath, do what you're going to do. But you should chew the gum 
and then spit the gum out. You know, chew the gum to get rid of your breath and then get rid of it. Don't be chomping on gum all day. Or try an Altoid or a Korean Mint. There's so many other options. Could I just say one of the things I absolutely adore about you among many is my unnecessary and aggressive opinions about passion. male behavior. Thank passion. You. Thank you. You're passionate. Thank you. I am very passionate. Um, also, I just feel like we, it needs to be said that in, as, as you all know, our room ha- is mostly covered in mirrors. Yeah. Of the four walls, two are our mirrored. floor to ceiling. Yeah. Almost floor to ceiling. Just mirrors. a huge bummer because it's definitely a room set up for voyeuristic sex and there were simply not having <laughs> sex in here. Um, I'm just staring, first of all, at me. I look kind of amazing right now. You're staring at yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but also we're wearing the almost... We are wearing the same, same outfit. outfit. <laughs> This is kind of this is the kind of information that we should keep to ourselves and not share on the podcast that we're wearing the same hoodie. This is the exact kind of information I would like to share um, and publicize. It's very um, telling about us, and hopefully, you know, hopefully this podcast lives lives on, and it lives to see us having um, separate bedrooms. <laughs> so that's my that's my dream for us. Um, so. The FBI immediately finds a number carved underneath a desk in the hotel room. Um, This is the only thing carved or marked underneath any of the surfaces in the entire hotel suite. Um, And the number happens to be a phone number from New Jersey from 1938. That's right, because earlier, while Layla was fixing the clock, so the clue in this clock was like an engraving on one of the pieces of like of this number that she then carved under the table. Yeah, I like blinked and missed that, but that's what she was doing with the clock is she was helping Vincent find the clue. Because as we all know, every clock has a clue. Every clue leads to the next apostle. apostle. So um, she carved the number under the desk for her husband. She's such a giver. Beyond him. She's much more intelligent than him. Correct. She is more capable than him. And she is a kidnapped hostage right now. Mm-hmm. I will... And he has all the freedom in the world, and he's incapable of I doing mean, shit. Look, Hank is a fool. Um, this is when I kind of start to like Layla, because the... Because she seems like she has agency. The first two episodes, it was very much just... She's a victim. We don't see yeah. much of her. And now, all of a sudden, she's making moves. Yeah. Because, um, look, she's tired of being a hostage, and somehow, as a hostage, she's been... She's managed to fly all around the world with her captor. Yeah. And it, it, they're from not, New York to Canada to India to Paris. Like gripping her arm. Looking Yeah, I mean look, I'm never to I'm never to blame the blame the victim. Oh, right. Co- but if course, she really wanted to escape, I feel like she's probably seen some air marshals that she could have said something to. Well it's less that she hasn't done enough to escape, but more just like how is no one Man, it's like going on. literally. Well, is he taking like is he just ass. taking coach flights or is he like hiring planes? Like I don't really know his secret here. Um, so Vincent and Layla are all of a sudden at a library in New Jersey, looking up the number in a book of phone numbers from 1938. Mm-hmm. Um, because we obviously know 1938 is the big date that these clocks were created. It's an important year. Um, I'm sorry, my nose is running. It's, like, not cute. No, it's okay. It's um, okay. Oh, thank you. So, uh, they, they find it. It was not hard. Um, no. Once again, these clues are 
similar to the clues that me and my best friend from grade school would like set up for each other the parents make figure out that it's a phone number because like i remember they were all in the office like what are these numbers what do they mean they were like googling meryl jr was like front and center yeah at the search engine and then of course this is why the parents were there the parents look at it and they're like oh this is totally how phone numbers were formatted in 1938 duh um yeah obviously um (laughs) And apparently Vincent knew that also because he took Layla to New Jersey yeah. to find this number. And, and interestingly, he takes her to the library with him instead of, like, leaving her locked up somewhere. Um, and Layla starts pulling subtly while, while Vincent's not looking. She pu- She's pulling books slightly out of their place on the shelf. Yeah. Um, then I also mentioned that Hank's parents are hiding something. Because we see a scene between the two of them where they're like, do we tell him? Should he know? No. Like, that's pretty much it. It's I love very vague. crone slash siren voice. Oh, this is the voice. This is how his mother talks. This is how she speaks. <laughs> that's not how she speaks. Um, th- that's like all I... And they pan to a photo of what appears to be... I don't even know what that photo was because I don't think they would just have a photo of Nazis, but... I feel like they panned to, like, a photo of, of a group but of But imagine if people. they did. <laughs> uh. So, um, Hank and the FBI head to the same library yeah. that Vincent and Layla were at. Because this is the only library in New Jersey. Correct. Um, <laughs> and this is the only book of phone numbers yeah. in the state of New Jersey. And unfortunately, Vincent... National treasure could never. Apparently, Vincent, unfortunately, has ripped out the page with this phone number. Ah, what an evil genius. Once again, they have missed him by ten fucking minutes. But then, Hank turns around and sees that three books are pulled out on the shelf. And, um... Him and Layla actually used to play a really boring ass game where they would build sentences. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, they're dull. Um, They would build sentences by pulling out books on the bookshelf, so it would be like, the color of water, name another book title, you know what I mean? And it would be a sentence, it's the only book I could come up with, apparently. Um, I just, you know, build a sentence using two different book titles. Yeah. That's a game that they would play. So you would look at the books, you would have to do it without moving the books around. So just in order of the way the books are on the shelves, right. you have to, I don't know why I'm explaining this game. Like it's suddenly going to become interesting and fun. It's not. <laughs> but um, the books that she's pulled out in this particular library are just single letters. <laughs> um, because. Was it like an encyclopedia? Section? Yeah, they're like encyclopedias or whatever. So she's pulled out the letters I, A, S. That's right. And Hank, of course, knows that not only is this for him, but nobody has moved or touched these books since Layla and Vincent left the library. Yes. So this makes me think that Hank and the FBI arrived at the library within 20 minutes um, of them leaving. We don't ever get that answer. Um, but they try to look up IAS, but IAS could be anything. You know, it's an acronym that's very common. Actually, no. Very easy for them to figure this out. It's the Institute of Advanced Study, which happens to be located at Princeton University. That's right. In New Jersey. Ah. 
We love when it all comes together. So we have phone number to IAS to Princeton. Because when when White Vincent went to the library and went to the records and looked up the, the, the number that was in the clock, it was like the, the directory said that it was to the Institute. So I, that's why she pulled those books out. Yes. I don't know if that was clear. And is that not what I just explained? No, I think you just explained the game. Did you? Did I just black out? Um, Did I disassociate? I just, felt, I just felt like people understood that. You know what I mean? But, but um, I'm glad we clarified. No, I needed to clarify. Um, I so... wanted everyone to feel like they're on the journey with us. If that was, <laughs> if I repeated that, Justin, you can take this out. No, 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 no. It's good. It's good. You, you know, you put it in different words. You put it in better words. It's fine. Please leave it in, Justin. So, um, <laughs> and the, leave this entire exchange. So the phone number leads to a specific office at the IAS. So the FBI storm into the office. They're like storming the campus. Yeah, but they storm directly yeah. into this specific office that the phone number led to. Yeah. And the guy in the office is like, excuse me, why are you in my office? Yeah. And they're like, was this man here? And he's like, yeah, that guy was here 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And they're like, what was he looking for? And then the guy is like, looking for what everyone looks for when they enter this office. And then he points to a picture on the wall <laughs> of Albert Einstein. <laughs> That's fucking right, because y'all. Because this office, in 1938, and I imagine other years as well, belonged to Albert Einstein. Uh, um, so good. I love that it took them arriving at this office to figure that out. Right. Um, well, look, as we know, none of these people are really um, bright. Or educated. <laughs> or, like qualified to be FBI correct, agents. Correct. I think some of them probably are. Meryl Jr. actually seems pretty bright. She bright. figures out codes. She can hold a conversation. <laughs> she can Google. Later she solves a, an equation. She like decodes something later out later on in this episode. Yeah, you know, yeah. she seems pretty sharp. Um I think she could run circles around FBI hottie. So um the only assumption we can make here, the obvious leap is that Einstein is, of course, a new apostle. I mean, look, what do a Nazi soldier, a young spiritual Indian woman and Einstein have in common? <laughs> um, the key to the end of the world. That's what they have in common. How dare you even ask? Um, so Einstein had, everyone knows this, duh, everyone, please, I know this, you, you know this. Um, Einstein had a treasured grandfather clock. I think this is probably why the, the episode is called Pendulum, right? Because grandfather right, clocks right. have pendulums. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's part of his history is his treasured grandfather clock. So Hank finds the clock. Yeah. But unfortunately, he is 30 minutes late. Uh, always. And the clock has already been gutted. Yeah. So, like, the, the wooden form is still there, but the actual clock piece is taken out. Interesting to me that Vincent just assumed that just the clock mechanism was important and not the whole wooden structure. Well, other than the, the, the pocket watch from New Bartholomew all the all uh, seemingly all the other clocks look the same they're all like the circular what would be the circular clock piece in yeah like what would be mounted clock. in a larger clock yeah. system so um 
Then we see that White Vincent is on the sidewalk. Once again, nobody here knows how to have a meeting in a private place. Um, White Vincent is on the sidewalk talking to a creepy child. <laughs> right? And, and does the child have a British accent? I, I can't um, remember. But that the, child is haunted. It's a ha- First of all, this child should not be wandering around the park by himself. He's not a teenager. Like, this is like maybe a 10 or 11 year old child. Oh, I was tops. thinking more seven. It, he's young. Right? I don't have a concept of age. I haven't mm-hmm. spoken to a child in it's like pale, white. Um, yeah, he's like a pale child in like a suit coat. A little sickly. Um, definitely ill. <laughs> and... I just want to take a moment. Um, I hope that child actor is really thriving now. Um, I'm not worried about him. He's not listening to this podcast. Good work. He has fucking hobbies and better shit to do. <laughs> um, and, you know, living off of that child actor money. So White Vincent tells him something. <laughs> and the to to give to his leader, yes. Because now we find out that White Vincent is actually working for someone else. At this point, I, I in this point in the show, I thought he was working for himself. It seemed very self motivated because he seems to have a personal stake in this story, given his special eyeballs. Um, but no, he's working for someone else, and this little boy is a messenger for this person. Mm-hmm. And he writes like a code in his tiny little messenger notebook um so this is a deeply intelligent child who can understand codes um then we have a fun twist um we find out through thing one's research yeah that the clock that vincent stole is much much older than having like it could not possibly have been built in 1938 right it was in fact in einstein's family for generations before that Mm -hmm. so it's the wrong clock yeah um, but Vincent, like the FBI, <laughs> just takes things at face value. Yeah. And doesn't do any fucking research until it's, it's like, too late. Yeah. Um, he also is super obsessed with Hank. And he is asking Layla a lot of questions about Hank. But they're just like personal questions. Yeah. They're not see like they're not what I would assume to be important just like things about their marriage and stuff um and this will come up later she tells Vincent Layla tells Vincent a cute little story about thumbtacks and I feel like it was like an outburst right like she was mad she She was was really angry like what do you want to know that we like yellow thumbtacks like like, what well it is I think it seemed it seemed like Vincent was trying to suggest that Hank maybe has a dark side yeah and he's trying to get at that dark side and she's like Hank loves me no man has ever treated me better we would throw a random yellow thumbtack on a on a map and then the next day that would be the place we'd travel to so once again, he has amazing travel points. So I guess he's points. really um, spontaneous and loving <laughs> and exciting. He's an exciting man to be with. And this is their fun little game that they would play with yellow thumbtacks. They're so quirky. They have so many cute games. Uh, Secret she's codes. She's a clock worker. He runs a magazine. Oh, they're so cute. Um, so we, we get back to the FBI and Hank and Thing 1 and Think 2. Think too. <laughs> you get me. And Meryl Jr. And they're trying to figure out what what is the real clock then? If it's not if it's not the grandfather clock, then what could it be? It's it, it's not possible that, that Einstein could have had any other clocks in his life ever. Yeah. I mean he he never even looked at another clock face. <laughs> um oh I get it. And I believe it's thing one. Uh it must be 
the erased portion of his blackboard on the day that he died. So there is this famous, I believe this is real, a famous picture of Einstein's office from the day that he died. It's a decrepit, hideous office bursting with just like trash and paper everywhere. <laughs> and then a blackboard that has um, numbers on it, equations. Um, and then there's a portion of the blackboard that's been erased right before he died. Yeah. We also know that the last thing Einstein did before he died was ask for paper and pencil. Yeah. So those are just two kind of important little things about about um, Albert Einstein. So the FBI, um, Merrill in particular, Merrill Jr., she is able to use a sort of laser imaging, sort of x-ray vibe kind of tool. Yes. On not the blackboard itself, but the photograph of the blackboard. <laughs> and she is able to lift the erased equation I love science. From that I love portion technology. of the blackboard. Interesting to me that um, nobody has ever done this before. Like, no one else in history was ever curious about what was on this blackboard. I mean, Einstein, he's a little-known name. Not, not really important in history, right. right? Who? I'm sorry to this man. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't know anything about him. So, the code, it's a code. It's an equation. But yeah. they're like, oh, it's an equation. And then somebody else is like, it's not an equation. It's a code. Duh. I definitely knew that there's a difference between those two things. <laughs> um, and this code um, happens to translate. Thing two translates it. He's good for something. Yeah. It happens to translate to the name of Albert Einstein's favorite tree. Uh, everyone knows this also. You know, it's just another one of these little facts that everyone uh, it's knows. It's like, did the screenwriter even try? Einstein had a favorite tree that he would walk by every day between his apartment and his office. Um, and the tree had a name, and the name was the erased portion of his blackboard. Um, so while this is going on, Hank is um, outside on the streets of Jersey looking for his wife. Because once again, while everyone else is actually doing all the work... He's going rogue because he thinks that he is better and more capable he just thinks than the that government, his, and he is. His love for Layla will somehow... It transcends all things. It really does. <laughs> I mean, it's so powerful. And he had that dream, that premonition. And he's starting He's starting to, like, believe in some woo-woo shit. Yeah, yeah. Because he saw his face in that Nazi. The power of love is going to lead him to Layla. So he sees on the ground, on the sidewalk... What does he see? Tell us. And they're, they're walking around, like, the area of Princeton. I assume that he's not just in, like, a random place in Jersey, right? Like, this is, this is where he thinks Layla might be. Yeah. He sees a yellow... Thumbtack. Dun dun dun. Now this is some Hansel and Gretel shit because there's another yellow thumbtack. And then after that there's another yellow thumbtack. This is a dropped trail of yellow thumbtacks. This makes a lot of sense because of course his wife, who is a hostage, would have been able to swipe a package of exclusively yellow thumbtacks. Yeah. That would have been super easy for her. Um, because thumbtacks, you know, they don't typically come in multicolor packs. No. And also women that are hostages. Um, clock-fixing slaves to terrorists, they have a lot of freedom to go to Staples and pick up yellow thumbtacks. What are you trying to get at, Abby? Honestly, nothing. I'm just saying what everyone is thinking. <laughs> so we follow this trail of yellow thumbtacks into a building. The same building from the dream slash premonition. Oh my god. Is it the same building? I I'm not quite sure. But... Look... I think it's the exact same building, whether it's supposed to be. I don't know. Whether they maybe, like, spent a little too much on the budget. 
paying for Meryl Jr. and had to reuse a location. Who's to say? What I am to say is that inside this building is not Layla and it is not Locusts. <laughs> it is White Vincent himself. Can I just, <laughs> right before we saw White Vincent, I was like, oh, it's probably White Vincent. But it was still very shocking. That's what watching these shows has done to my brain. Just completely obliterated any. It's like sense t- of taking logic. the spoon that's being fed to you. Like, yes, this is a twist. Um, although it makes sense because how would Layla get yellow thumbtacks? But of course, White Vincent could get yellow thumbtacks. Exactly. And we saw Layla tell him the story. Yeah. So it turns out he knew that she was leaving clues for Hank the whole time. Yeah. Because he's not um, a fucking idiot. Uh, and I guess that's why I believed it because she was successfully leaving clues the entire time. So I was like, oh, somehow she got. In the moment, I don't think I was questioning the thumbtacks, to be honest. It's only in hindsight that but I realized also, it's, it's like how I need to know the distance between where Hank was to this building and like how many thumbtacks is that? You know? I don't need There's to only know. So many and I don't want to know because later um, he's followed. We, we find out that FBI Hottie... This was hilarious. FBI Hottie was apparently following him because she finds her way to the same building, but this, she's not following Thumbtack. The same way Hank is led by love, FBI Hottie is led by vengeance. She can just smell White Vincent. Oh, that's so true. That's so apropos. So White Vincent wants more information from Hank about his marriage because that is the center of all things. Love. And, and never you never you forget. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even drinking. <laughs> well, you're drinking coffee and sometimes that's enough. So Hank and Layla met at the unveiling of the Locust Clock, which has an actual name and is an actual clock that was unveiled. Um, but it's like a big-ass clock. It's that hideous. Is it an important clock? There's an artist out there that designed it. <laughs> <laughs> but we can call people hideous. That's fine. <laughs> Um, but it has, like, a big-ass locust on the top, and the locust is, like, crawling with, like, each second. Yeah. Um, it, it's a beautiful piece of art. Um, and that's where Hank and Layla met. Fine, I'll correct myself. It's hideous footage. It's, like, it looks like they ripped it off of a YouTube clip. Because they probably did. Do you think that they have the budget to, like, go into whatever museum this locust clock is in? And, like, obviously not. So, White Vincent, for this whole scene, is calling Hank brother. Yeah, he starts to do that, and it's like, ooh, it is... And Hank, but Hank keeps telling him to stop. He's like, stop, don't call me brother. Yeah. He's not, he does not like it. And I'm like, maybe you should focus on getting him to release your wife. Also, I know what you guys are thinking. Of course, what Hank would not travel around knowing there's a terrorist after him unarmed. But um, unfortunately, but fact, that's would. exactly what is happening. Yeah, he entered this building without any kind of weapon. Didn't you know, tell anyone where he was going. Not a stick, not a prod, not a brick, not a book, not that a rock. That was fun. That was almost a rhyme. Um, you know, I like to spit bars. <laughs> um, so Vincent lunges at Hank and is obviously successful because Hank is... A unable, fool. You know, he's completely unable to defend himself. And he, like, pulls back on Hank's eyelids... because he wants to look in Hank's eyes he wants to rip out the contact lenses because he thinks Hank has his foggy ass crazy eyes right now this for me was setting up a little bit of a mystery here because does he think that Hank is in fact the Nazi 
living forever? Well, no, because he saw that Nazi's dead body. Right. But we did have some kind of suggestion that maybe these babies with these crazy eyes are going to live forever. I got the sense that he maybe thought that Hank was like a clone, like they cloned that new, makes new Bartholomew. Yeah, that makes that, entirely more sense. Yeah, um, that makes a hundred and ten percent more sense. Thank God you're here. But then, um, does but that then, mean that White Vincent? Well, is... Well, yeah, exactly. Does that mean he's a clone? Does that mean he was also one of the key players in 1938? And is that the secret? You know, it, th- that they just find a so... have a way to clone people, but it's not like the same person. Like Hank is not. A Nazi? I don't see any evidence to suggest he's not, actually. Um, so, Vincent... You know it's going to be a disappointing... I'm going to be really disappointed when we get to the end of the show, and the whole time it really is just about cloning. Right. Um, but I'm not going to be surprised, but I am going to be disappointed. So, Hank doesn't have the crazy eyes. No. So, that's confusing for Vincent, who also, in this kerfuffle manages to lose one of his own contact lenses. You know how that can happen sometimes when you're having a fist fight is your contact lens falls out <laughs> of your eye. And that's the um, thing. We only I think he only has one foggy eye. No, I think they're both foggy. For sure, I think they both are. My question is did he remove the contact lens to show Hank? No, I think or did it I, fall I think out? Hank got one punch in. Yeah, and it knocked this man's contact lens <laughs> fully off his face. Okay. It happens. It happens. FBI hottie storms in. Yeah. And she's a terrible shot and also a disaster. She's, <laughs> she's, she's shooting She's shooting at Vincent willy fucking nilly. This bitch, like, I'm sorry, she's never Once again, been Priyanka, on the gun range. Chopra would never. It's so offensive to me in every way that this woman's husband was murdered and then she suddenly was like, I'm gonna join the FBI, and then the FBI just let her join, I guess. Do you think the writers were like, look, we're gonna show a really strong, powerful woman. We're gonna have our female lead be the FBI agent. But then that fun old sexism crept in and they're like, but she can't be good. She can't be capable in any way. (laughs) (laughs) She can't know how to hold a gun. And she has to be entirely motivated by her dead husband. That's right. Because men are the center of our narratives, ladies. Never forget that. So she reveals to White Vincent that he killed her husband, that her husband was on the plane that he bombed. And Because up until this point, he's like, girl. Why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) Lying that you're sex in me. Right. You know, everybody wants to know. And uh, she says to him, she's like, all of those people on the plane, they were just collateral damage to you. And then Vincent drops a hot one on us, and he's like, I know who your husband was. Seat 12B. <gasps> what? He knew exactly what seat he was in, and then he says, maybe he wasn't just collateral damage, maybe everyone else was. Now, she already said that everyone was collateral damage, so, right. you know, he's proving her right, except that apparently we, we get the sense here that her husband was, in fact, the target That's of the right. terrorist attack. And as we know, her entire world revolves around her dead husband, so this is, re- like, did she ever really know him? 
obviously not. Was he even not. an artist? And when she joined the FBI and started doing research, she didn't learn anything about him that yeah. would have yeah. revealed as to why he would have been a target um, by this terrorist. You are mom and pop, I'm a corporation. I will say it's never really clear to us what Vincent's previous alliances were terrorism-wise. Because usually a terrorist has some kind of righteous path, right? A reason why they're I'm doing I'm sorry, are you looking for character development yes. and backstory? Yeah. That's crazy. I'm going to stop. On. I'm going to stop Move right on. now. Um, so... Hank escapes White Vincent, and White Vincent escapes FBI hottie. But he does manage to catch a little bit of a bullet. Or two. Out of, um... The hundreds of times she's <laughs> attempted to shoot him, she does sink one in there. Right, right. Um, in his, like, upper back. Yeah. So just not where, you know, not a lethal hit. I'm sorry, honey. But once again, you've let us all down. Even though at one point she was, like, face-to-face with him, she had, like, used up all of her bullets at that point or something. Because, <laughs> um, of course, she wouldn't have another magazine no. on her person. Um, that would be crazy. So Hank um, finds the clock. Yeah. It is buried underneath Einstein's favorite tree. Yeah. That's right. They dig up a hole under a famous tree on a very famous college campus. Yeah. They do it in the dead of night, obviously. Um, And inside is a little piece of paper with another equation on it. And I really laughed here because they were like, the last thing he asked for upon his deathbed was a paper and pencil. (gasps) This might have been the last thing he ever wrote. Once again, rewriting History. But that doesn't check out because if that was the last thing he wrote from his deathbed, how would it have gotten inside the clock and gotten buried under the tree? Do you not think Albert has friends? I don't think that he would have trusted them with the secrets of the universe and the end of time. <laughs> I think that he buried the clock himself before he died. That makes a lot more sense to me. Right. If he went through the pains of, of writing the location and then erasing it. Yeah. I, it, I don't want to think about it too hard because then I get a headache. So. And certainly no one in that writer's room did, you know? No. Actually, no, I think they all had absolute migraines right on the show. (laughs) I really do. So we see the the priest. This is the priest that got his throat slit at the beginning of the movie. And there was a little scene earlier in the episode where the priest is playing poker with other priests. Right. Which is like a really fun beginning of a joke. Um, But there's no joke. Uh, He's just asking them if they know anything about Rosicrucians and if Rosicrucians still exist. Yeah. Because somebody he knows has been getting into trouble. Well, what what he asked was, like, because he thought Rosicrucians were, like, all peaceful and chill. But then, as we know in episode two, the hot priest... The hot priest in India was, in fact, a Rosicrucian and and yet violent. Yeah. So now we see the priest at a bar talking to another priest. Yeah. Priests, man, on this show, they're so fucking cool. They they gamble, they play poker, they use Altoids, they go to bars. Fucking badass. They survive. They only do throats. it with each other because, God forbid, they get in the room with a woman or a child. Right. Um, but he's he's meeting privately with this other priest because this priest was playing poker and he actually has answers, but he didn't want to say it in front of all the other priests. But he explains and he's like. You met the shepherds. Yeah. Those are the violent Rosicrucians. The shepherds are a modern day sect of the Rosicrucians that are willing to use violence to do whatever means necessary to protect holy relics. 
Now, what are they protecting these holy relics from? Sickly children. (laughs) (laughs) And terrorists with foggy eyeballs. Right. But no, they're protecting these relics from a group of people only known as the Great Pirates, which is really stupid stupid and lame. (laughs) So disappointing on every level that they're called the Great Pirates. So I guess um, in the church, there's some knowledge of quote-unquote holy relics and badass Rosicrucians with combat skills. So then, you know, we're winding down on the episode because this is like our episode cliffhanger is finding out about the shepherds. And we see the haunted little boy once more. Mm -hmm. He's in a nice, very cushy office. Meeting with an older woman, a middle, a woman of middle age. She's very attractive. She has curly hair. It's like a, one of those like grayish blonde shades. Yeah. It's in like a top knot. She's I, this is what's important to me: <laughs> attractive older women. Um, and he's giving her the code that he took down from mm-hmm. White Vincent. So this woman, perhaps, is who Vincent is working for. A twist. A femme. Fatale. I'm excited by it. And And she has pet locusts. (laughs) That's like the last shot. Now, it's it's cutting back and forth because we also see Hank decoding the equation that was inside Einstein's clock. Yeah. And it's just like a quote about destroying God. Mm -hmm. Now, it should be a clue. So we're, we're assuming it, it must be a clue, right? But it's it's a quote about destroying God, which has been a recurring theme. And then the episode ends with cutting back to this woman's office and her cage of pet locusts. It's all coming together, except it's not. <laughs> Everything is adding up, and it's adding up to nothing. <laughs> and that's only episode three, folks. And believe you me, we are on the edge of <laughs> our seats. Believe you me? <laughs> Is it a phrase? Yeah. Oh, I get it, I get it. Okay, like, but me, like, you should believe me. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I love you. I'm losing my mind. For episode four, which is the last episode that we're going to be covering in today's Zero Hour Part One. Because if you haven't noticed, the show is just a tad bit dense. Dense. There's a um, lot of plot points we had to hit. Yeah, and we're mixing it up, you know. We have to do some of our short episodes. We have to do some of our... Of our shows that have the full 13 eps. You know, we've we've got to branch out, do a little bit of everything. So that's uh, what we're doing. Just think about here. what it's going to be like when we do a 22-episode show. It's going to be a while before we do that. <laughs> now we're going to need, like, a hot, <laughs> you know, early-on canceled show for our next one. Because right. we're going to be a little bit exhausted by... Yeah, maybe one that... This three-parter. Uh, has, like, a three episodes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So episode four is titled chain chain yeah okay yeah yeah okay do it that what you will is that a part of a clock mm. uh, maybe yeah i'm thinking for some reason like i'm thinking mechanism. of like a bike you know like a bicycle bicycle chain yeah that's interesting that you would immediately jump to bike i know because you know i don't um i don't do that i don't ride bikes no and if you'd like to know how check out abigailbaldwin.com oh my god did you just plug my website i did i did oh, it was really natural I wish you had something for me to plug <laughs> <laughs> at robo glam jam on instagram that's right that's right so episode four opens with you know gears churning and then we of course Mm, yeah yeah and then it's three 
Three is the number of the Trinity. And then we jump into that one forum. Right, right, right. So this episode, this is a fun flashback type episode. Um, So we open with Nazi Hank, um, Corbin Stern, and it immediately starts uh, where the show started. So it's them driving away with the mysterious crate that was... The crate, which we didn't even talk about in episode three. Yeah, the crate that was submerged and then... It was under. Remember. It was under a German ch- church of some kind. Yeah, and, yeah. So they they're driving remember. away. They're driving away. Um, oh no, they're not driving away. Yet. Sorry, they're parked. They're about to drive away. Um, and then suddenly, other Nazi soldiers show up. Um, bad Nazis. Bad. Just to clarify, as opposed to the good, the uh, good Nazi, the the, apo- the apostle Nazi. Um, so there's a big shootout. Bang! Bang! The Nazis have found them, but no, we can't let them find the secret crate. The secret crate. Which is huge, by the way. Um, but so what, so another man is accompanying, um, Corbin, um, and he gets shot down. Um, and, but while they're driving away, um, Hank says, we are two in a chain of 12, suggesting that the man who is not a soldier, who who just appears to be like a common, the a guy commoner, sitting next to a pedestrian, him. Yeah. Um, is also one of the new apostles. Okay. Um, and they are, he explains that they are meant to hand the clocks down through the generations, and if any of the apostles fall, the chain comes undone. Which, first of all, it's like, shouldn't this man already know? Like, and why? also, aren't they all going to die eventually? Isn't that just science? Like, why isn't Hank... Like, why is Hank the... Or not Hank. Why is Corbin Stern the one telling him, you know? But then this guy is like, oh, well, then we have a problem because I've just been shot. And he just, like, reveals his bleeding wound. I um, love that he waited until it was a punchline. Yeah, no. You know? He was I mean, like, look, I'm not going to let him know I was shot until it's yeah most dramatic possible. So moment. in the present, we're having a lot of parallels in this episode. Mm-hmm. Because Layla... I don't remember a single thing about this episode. I think I blacked fully out. <laughs> it's okay. Um, Layla is driving White Vincent, who has also been shot by FBI hottie. Um, but he's holding her at gunpoint. Um, and then he calls Hank... Um, and he's like, look, Hank, I was about to try to do an accent, but you know, I can't do accents. And anyway, also, what is his accent? Is I like, it supposed to be French? I cannot tell you. Um, um may we, oh, hello, hello, <laughs> Hank. <laughs> it is me. I am so he's it's... like, oh, Hank, I'm a little, um, feel, I'm, I'm feeling a bit under the weather, you know? So like, I'm going to need you to hunt down the next two clocks. You have three days. But if you do it, you know, I'll give you Layla back because he's now finally done with her, I guess. Like she fixed one clock. truly genius because number one, Hank is as good, if not better, at finding the clocks. Yeah. And two, why would you do work when you could do nothing and have someone else do it for you? So at at headquarter, um, which is the office, FBI hottie asks for the files on the plane crash. Oh, the FBI headquarters, right? Yeah. Right. Um, she's like, look, I need to know what happened to my husband. So this whole time, she hasn't actually known the details of the crash. So the FBI didn't give her all the answers when she I joined. I mean, be- yes, because that just seems like it'd be too personal. 
right? She has to, they have to keep her focused. Well, exactly, but that was, like, one of the plot holes of the show where we're just, like, they just, like, let her join the FBI. Yeah. But no, I guess she had to do actual FBI work and not just crazy, not research just... her husband's death. Yeah. Um, but then they're like, no, like, sorry, like, why, you, do you want to find out about your husband? Like, maybe catch White Vincent, maybe, like, fucking do your job. Maybe <laughs> if you were a halfway decent <laughs> FBI agent, yeah. we wouldn't be having this conversation, girl. So, Hank opens up the clock, he opens up Albert Einstein's clock, um, and there's no obvious clue, but he notices that one of the pieces is, like, bendy, so he's like, what's going on here, you know? Does this clock even work? So, it turns out to be gold, um, which you should never use to make a clock if you want it to last. You learn something new every day. Um, so they take it to, like, a, a, a clock man, like, you know someone who knows about metals um and he's like oh well every piece of this clock is made out of a different metal like out of a different substance um oh my god i remember this code (laughs) so so hank of course is like what does it mean like all these metals and then as he's walking down new the new york streets he sees like the wall street like the I don't know, you know, the electrical... Like the NASDAQ? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, And he's like, the symbols. You know, of the elements. Of course, the periodic table. The periodic table. I remember this from the 11th grade. Yes. So, he is like, once properly arranged, it's the next clue. So he returns to the office, the Skeptic Magazine office. So the idea, right, is that the letters from the periodic table corresponding to these metals could be discrambled to form a word. Yeah, so he's like, everyone, stop what you're doing. I love anagrams. And give it your best shot. So everyone turns in like nonsense. Did you know Abby is an anagram for baby? Uh, <laughs> you just really went speechless. I really did. I really did. Because you've never thought about it before. You know what? I can say I haven't. I can uh, say that. Well, now you'll um, never forget. Wh- while I say this next part, maybe think about what my name could possibly be. You know? An anagram for? Do you know? Yeah. Do you have one no, in your head already? Absolutely not. So just let that sink in for a hot okay. minute. Um, so That's your way to try and get me to be quiet so you can explain something. It's just like we have so much to get yeah, through. Yeah, you're, 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 you're right, right, right. You know? Um... And I'm and it's like late. I'm like drinking wine. Like I'm I'm not laser focused as I should be. Um, where was I? Okay, so everyone in the office is turning in these ridiculous possibilities, and Hank is like, oh, "You're all fools." And then thing one, of course, the only one with a goddamn brain, is like, "Well, why don't we just put them in order that they weren't in the clock?" Boom. That's it. That's fucking it. It took them like a solid like couple hours yeah. to realize that it was already in a certain order. Yeah. That they didn't have to um, scramble. They never wrote it out in order mm, first. No. So what order did they write it out in originally? You know, it's just... Look, you and I can look at this and maybe think, fools. By the way, according to Google, there's only one seven letter word you can make with Roberto and mm-hmm. it's Roberto. <laughs> but six letter words, you can make reboot. Ooh. Robert. <laughs> okay. Torero. Okay. And five letter words include robot, rotor, and retro. I feel like all of those words really apply to me. They're yeah. really core. 
facets of, of who I am. I'm so glad we can agree on that. So the clue takes him to the north coast of Germany. Right. Um, Which he has time to do in three days. Yes. So we get another flashback. It's 1938. And Hank is once again talking to this man who's bleeding out. And he's like, look, I need you to stay alive. Right? Like, and do- you're using Hank to mean Corbin. Uh, sorry. Yes, Corbin. They have the same face. It doesn't Nazi matter. Nazi Hank. Um, yeah. And he's like, look, the apostles are more powerful than presidents and chancellors. So what's a little bullet wound? You know, but they're just simply none of those things. Correct, correct. Um, so both Nazi Hank in the past and present day Hank mm-hmm. arrive um, to this small coastal town in Germany, um, and they arrive at a church, and and mm-hmm. apparently it was it was um, a name that that everything spelled out. Yeah, um, or, or like a, a I don't remember. I can't even pretend. It's the name of a place in Germany. Yes. Yeah. It was a name of a place in Germany yeah. and the name of a person. It was long. It was like person's name, comma, city in Germany. So then... That's what the periodic table So then they arrive and, and the priest is like, yeah, I can take you to him. And they're like... To the man? He's alive. The myth? And then he just take, t- takes them to the gravesite. Which, um, once again, it's like... Why are you waiting until we get to this grave to tell us that this man is dead? <laughs> this is just not how people communicate. Yeah. So this is, of course, where the man, the 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 apostle who was also driving with Nazi Hank, is buried. Because mm-hmm. um, spoiler alert, he died. Um, and the gravestone reads Genesis fifty two, and it refers to and there's a quote that refers to the story in the Bible about the thirteenth apostle. Um, yeah. So, in the past, Corbin Stern is but like... It, it's not a verse in Genesis, because there is no Genesis 52. Correct. So but they, have but to, they don't know this yet, because yeah. they're, they're not doing their, their Bible study, you know? Yeah, they literally are like, oh yeah, Genesis 52, but then they figure out... Yeah. They just find a different verse in the Bible, I guess. This is like how most pastors write. There. Well, <laughs> they just—they're like, "What? Well, what on the, on verse the is going to work?" There's for this? there's a verse, and I think that verse is what is what refers to the thirteenth apostle. But then yeah. below that, it says Genesis fifty-two. Yeah. And the thirteenth apostle was the apostle that replaced Judas. 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 <clears throat> so in the past, Corbin Stir, Nazi Hank, is looking for a local fisherman, like to take him out to sea, because you know he has to get away with with the his, mystical crate, his giant crate. Um, but everyone's drunk. There's no sober fisherman except for like this young thing. He's wearing a fun, like cute newsies hat. Yeah. He's like, I'll do it, because he's a loyal, like Santa German Fe. fisherman who's yeah. like. Yeah, I'll do anything for a soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the present, Hank is chatting with FBI hottie because he realizes that Genesis 52 simply doesn't exist. Yeah. And she gives him an amazing advice. Um, she says, Hank, it's never been that easy. You have to think out of the box. <sighs> That's profound. I... It's changed my life since I've heard that, you know. Mm. The um, box being the Bible. Correct. Um, so, coincidentally, while she says this, Hank just happens to be walking by a dock and sees that each, like, boat parking spot, whatever, 
has a number. <laughs> what? <laughs> Numbers? And then he reaches space 52. And guess what he sees? A boat. Yeah, what's that boat named? Tell me. You won't believe it. You no. won't believe it. What is it named? Genesis. What? I know. You're I telling know. me this boat has been there <laughs> since 1938? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's so fucking so crazy. So Hank goes on board. He goes on a boat that he does not belong on. Yeah. Um, and then sees one of the, the Rosicrucian crosses. Yeah. Um, but is attacked. A young yeah. man, a hot young fisherman. He is hot. We don't um, get a lot of him. Knocks him out. Yeah. Because he's trespassing, you know? Like, Hank, you, you can't be acting foolish. And this is a totally normal way to react to trespassing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we're back to Layla. Because Layla has been just like, White Vincent. She's, she, they're in like some house in the middle of nowhere. She's like, tied up. She's like, White Vincent, let me help you. You're dying. And he's like, I know what you're doing. She's so exhausting in this scene. I know what you're doing. You're trying to develop an emotional connection so you can escape. And she's like, no, that's not it. And he's like, oh. So then you, wait, I forget. Oh, he's like, oh, so you just don't want me to die because you'll be trapped here and you'll starve to death. And she's like, kind of, like... <laughs> just let me help you bro <laughs> and then she says what has been my favorite quote possibly ever yeah um of any of the shows we've seen um <clears throat> you've taken me from my husband robbed me of my dignity but you cannot take away my grace that's Layla, ladies I'm and gentlemen. I'm so intrigued by, like, the, I guess, the religious background of whoever wrote this show. Mm-hmm. The writer of Prison Break, right? Right. Um, the, there's just a lot of, like, if we ever do spiritual moments. If we ever do merch, I feel like this has to be on. We just directly rip a quote from Zero Hour. Yeah. And put it on a t-shirt. Maybe a crop top. Yeah. That sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> a crop tank, because we gotta have that shoulder tag. Exactly, out. exactly. Um, so back at um, FBI HQ, um, Meryl Jr. gets the files for FBI Hottie. Um, just because we, we need a B plot. Um, and there's only like four FBI agents. Exactly, in the world. exactly. So um, meanwhile, uh, on. Okay, so we're back in the past. It's another flashback. They're getting. Corbin Stern is getting on the young fisherman's boat and then a car of Nazi soldiers arrive and the young fisherman is like oh my god you're a traitor you're a traitor so he's about to expose him yeah because once again he's a young loyal he's loyal to the Reich yeah 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 as are many of the characters on this show (laughs) um so then we get another amazing quote this episode is just chock full of them Hank, or I'm sorry, Nazi Hank, turns to the young fisherman and he's like, you know what? If you want to give me up, fine. I may burn for a moment, but if you give me up, you'll burn for eternity. Um, and, he, and Nazi Hank opens up the mystical crate. Holy music plays. <laughs> yeah, you get it. Was that the song that Ariel sings? That's 
kind of what I was going for inadvertently. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we don't get to see in the crate, but we know that it's impacting this guy right now. It changes his mind because he does not give yeah. Nazi Hank up. In fact, he lies and, and gets the... He lies to the right. Exactly. He gets them to go away. Um, so in the present, Hank um, is tied up and is getting assaulted. You know, punched beaten in the up. face, beaten yeah. up. Um, and it's and such, interrogated by it's this It's a hilarious guy. scene yeah. to me. Um, because the man is like, what do you want? And Hank is like, give me the clock. <laughs> Punch in the face. Who are you? I need you to give me the clock. And it's just like, Hank, hon. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't know what you're talking about. Like, and you just broke into his uh, boat. So then the man is He's like, like, I know about the clock. Punch in the face. Okay. So then, if you know, are you one of the twelve or a thief? And then Hank, of course, replies, Give me the clock! (laughs) Um, So he gets punched again until a voice from a distance says, Stop! And we turn and we see the old man. And we know instantly that it's the young fisherman from 1938. Because he's wearing the same hat. Exactly. Um, So... We're back to White Vincent and Layla. He has agreed. He's like, fine, you can take out my bullets. Like, ugh. Because um, you said it was about grace. Yeah, Touched yeah. Touched my heart. And, like, her father was apparently a surgeon, so she knows about these things. You right. Know? I, I also have all of my parents' skills. Yeah, yeah. So she takes out a bullet, but then White Vincent's like, you think I'm fucking stupid? That's not what he says. Paraphrasing, of course, it's ABC. He's like, you think I'm stupid? You don't think I know that you're probably stealing some of the tools that you're using to like take my bullets out and then he turns and sees that she did not steal anything and she's like see I was just trying to help so then he ties her back up he zip ties her to like a pole like a post but then Layla's no fool as we learned suddenly in episode 3 she's a woman with agency love it she steals one of the bullet shards yeah and is somehow going to use that to escape. A bullet shard is definitely sharp enough after it's come out of a man's back to cut through a zip tie. Yeah, yeah. So the old man, the old fisherman, and Hank are sitting down having a one-on-one. And he, he just looks at Hank and he thanks him for setting him on the right path. And Hank is like, that was definitely me. <laughs> um, no, he's like, I'm not the one, right, babe. Right, right. So in 1938, um, Nazi Hank gives the young fisherman a clock and he's like look he had no time to find a replacement apostle so literally the first man he spoke to was gonna be the one well look it worked it worked um and he tells the young fisherman he's like look each clock leads to the next apostle the next clock and eventually the treasure and we get a moment we get a flashback to when he opened the crate and this is it, y'all. We're about to find out what's in the crate. Wait, we don't find out yet. Yeah, we do. We find out at the end when thing one and thing two hang out in the boat. Oh. Okay, then I'll hold off. I'll hold off on that. Keep um, waiting. Hold that breath. Okay, so... Remember? Yeah, yeah. So... Because Hank doesn't ask what was in the box. Oh, you're right. Because Hank doesn't care about the mystery. He only cares about Layla. So, um, so, so he gives the young fisherman the clock and, um, and then out at sea, a submarine arrives, 
like surfaces so that's why he needed to go out into the ocean um so he could get to his submarine so that he could go to the arctic and i guess die it's just cool that somehow he knew um that he was going to go to the submarine go to the arctic and then the submarine was going to freeze and never shift from that exact spot correct i think that i guess my my guess would be his intention was to leave the clock there in the submarine and then he would leave i don't think he intended to die inside that submarine but we'll never know but we might know we don't know but we might find out do you want to keep going no i'm good but we might find out later and when we do we'll know so i look forward to knowing then that was amazing thank you (laughs) so um so layla escapes with her shard with her shard um and she texts hank oh sorry by the way so the the old fisherman after after confiding in hank being like thank you like you changed my life like i've been sitting here on this boat i've been worshiping god on this boat at this since 1938 yep um but he just gives up the clock well, this guy has the same face of the man who gave him the clock. Yeah, so he gives Hank the clock. So who else can you trust? That being said, I feel like days have passed and he was supposed to get two clocks and it's like, Hank, you're like not working hard enough. You know, like you need to be getting on the second clock. Like White Vincent gave you a deadline, you know? Yeah. So on his flight back to New York, um, he gets a text. Yeah. From someone claiming to be Layla. And yeah. she's like, meet me in this hotel room. Um, it turns out to be exactly Layla. You know, I thought it was going to be a fun twist. It's not. We don't have time for that. Like it was going to be White Vincent doing the same thing again. Yeah. And um, getting away with but it. But the show is smarter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. They immediately bang. Yeah. Um, the minute he entered that room, I was like, and that is the bed that they will make love on. So, he, you know, he's an older man. I wouldn't say he's unattractive. But just based on, like, him from, like, the neck up, you wouldn't expect him to have the, like, kind of, like, fit body that he does. I was, like, a little surprised. I was like, oh. Oh, my God. I don't even remember seeing mm-hmm. it. It's fine. I mean, it wasn't, like, life-changing. But I was just like, oh, get it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so. And they're, um, like, they're fucking and there's just, like, a clock with, like, the secrets of Jesus Christ himself sitting on the shelf. Well, I believe them. there's two, because Layla, when she escaped, she took the clock that yeah. St. Vincent, St. Vincent, <laughs> that White Vincent had, um, yeah. and then the clock that Hank just retrieved from the fisherman. Um, yeah. And the clock that White Vincent had, correct me if I'm wrong, was the incorrect Einstein clock still. That's why she wasn't making any progress with it. Because he was having her go through it looking for clues, but of course there's no clue in it. Right. But I think the actual clock that she took was because he eventually was like, this is not the right clock. Yeah. And then he got shot. It was shot. something relevant. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the the clock that they have is the, the one from the second episode from yeah. New Thomas. Yeah. So there's um, two righteous clocks watching yeah. them make love. Uh-huh. Um, so... We go back to FBI headquarters, and FBI Hottie and Merrill Jr. are looking over the plane files, and what do they discover? The person who everyone got on the plane. Except for one? Except for one person. One person didn't board the flight? The person who was supposed to sit next to FBI Hottie's husband. Now, to me, this would mean nothing, but apparently it means everything. That's too crazy of a coincidence. (laughs) So they look at the passport of the person who was supposed to sit there and their minds are blown away 
But why? We don't know. They immediately, they call Hank. They call thing one and thing two. <laughs> We're not getting an answer. No, because Hank is finally reunited with his wife, who he didn't find or rescue, because she did it herself. So we're freaking out. This is when we jump back to, I'm pretty sure, the coast of Germany, because Thing thing 2 ignores the call, and he's like, so what was in the crate? Yes, because for some reason... Hank, Hank left without Hank them. Hank flies home to New York, but he only had one ticket, because he has to bring this clock to White Vincent. Yeah. And he leaves Thing 1 and Thing 2 on this boat and of course being, and they're just like you'll he, he's like you'll you'll be in good hands with this christian sailor yeah. and of course um they're the only ones who care about what's going on what's really going yeah, on they want to solve the actual mystery and this episode is about to end with like a just a double whammy of yeah, reveals yeah. so and tingling thinking about it so we get a reveal as to what was in the crate they're just like casually like, by the way, what was in that giant righteous crate that all of these clocks are leading to? Yeah. I'm like, it's too soon for us to find out. It's only episode four. But it's not. He just fucking tells them. It is the cross that Jesus was crucified on. <laughs> and here's the, the thing, because then we get a shot from 1938 of yeah. him looking in the crate at the cross. Um, Yeah, it's a cross. Yeah. It's a wooden cross. But it's not. It's the last thing Jesus touched before being resurrected. It's the door between this life and the next. But the thing is that, like, it's just a wooden cross and, like, a lot of people were crucified and it could be any cross. Well, at the end of the day, not everything is what it seems. I mean, I'm going to believe what I'm told. There is a clue on the cross that leads to eternal life. Or the end of the world. You know, I don't know. You know? Same, same. We're speculating. I mean, here's the thing. It's like, I'm not expecting to get to the end of the show and suddenly find out that that was just, like, a replica cross or someone else's cross. Yeah. I think if we're meant to believe that that is Jesus Christ's cross that he was crucified on, then that's it. That's the truth. That's the whole T. Boom. The whole T. <laughs> <laughs> get it? Now, some would expect this to be the big cliffhanger of the episode. But no. No! no. <laughs> the writer of Prison Break wouldn't just leave us there. No. Oh my god, we don't care about that. <laughs> FBI hottie bursts into the hotel room where Hank and Layla were just making love. And she's like, where is she? And Hank is like, what? What? And this is, I, I and, and Hank is like, what's happening? Like, Layla's not in the room. Layla's gone. And He's guess what else is gone? The clocks. Because FBI Hottie explains that the person on the flight that her husband was on when he died, the person that was supposed to sit next to him was Anna Massey. And who is Anna Massey, you say? <laughs> well, she shows him the passport photo. And whose face do they see? Layla's. They look in the bathroom. They call her. Where is she? Where is she? She's gone. So are the clocks. And the last thing that we see in episode four, titled Chain, is Layla in the back of a taxi with a facial expression that doesn't really say anything, right? But does it say everything? Exactly. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Blackout. Credits. So, 
first of all, this tracks because Layla is definitely a name you would choose for yourself and not one your parents would give you. Um, <laughs> I want to do a couple theories, guesses for what's to come before we close out. Right, right. So, initial, but the, so many questions, right? Like, who is she? Why, why didn't White Vincent know? White Vincent seems to know everything. Well, he was the one that, that crashed the plane. And he seemed to know everyone that was on the flight. So why wouldn't he have known that this woman with this face was supposed to be sitting next to his target? Right. Or did he know? Right. But then wouldn't he have led on to Layla? Especially because what if that means they were kind of on the same side? Yeah. There, there are a few things that we do know. You know, we're definitely going to get more clocks. Mm-hmm. We're definitely going to find some more new apostles. Do you think that the same priest is going to get his throat slit again? That would be really fun. So no. No. My thing with this whole Layla on the plane scenario is they seem to be setting it up that she was on that plane. Yeah. But in this world, couldn't it just be someone else with her same face? Or is that... Wow. I didn't even consider that. Is that only possible if the flight had taken place in 1938? Right. Like, can there not be two people with the same face existing at once? what I'm thinking, you know, writer brain, right? Mm. Is that they're about you to have that. They're they're introducing this this second mystery that's probably gonna really take hold of the show. Like it's now like the next few episodes are gonna be like, who is Layla, aka Anna Massey? And what really happened on that plane? And is the news really real? <laughs> That is a conspiracy theory I am personally interested in. If you don't know what we're quoting, um, maybe this isn't the fucking podcast for you. Just kidding. Listen and tell everyone. But um, it's Britney Spears, by the way. Um, I definitely am. I'm just worried now that the next episodes are going to break format. We're not going to get clocks. We're not going to get new apostles. You're worried? And and then episode 13 is going to come with a two-hour finale, and I'm not going to know a goddamn thing. So you're worried that they're not going to keep rehashing the same plot over and over Exactly. I'm worried that this canceled show is not going to give me all the answers. My thing, right, is like, are we going to get any more historical figures as apostles? Right. I'm um, sure. I'm if sure. If so, who? Ooh. Um, when, how? But I personally... That would just require me knowing what was really happening in 1938. And look, the public school system failed me. I, I took American history, U.S. history, like three times. Yeah. Um, why? <laughs> I didn't fail. They just kept doing the same thing right. over and over. Um, I... My thing, I, I'm very happy that they broke the mold. I was worried that we were going to get to episode 13 and Layla was still going to be a hostage. <laughs> and it was just going to be Hank. I don't care. My wife is the only thing that matters. But now it's like, maybe we don't trust your fucking wife. And episode one, when FBI Hottie was like, why would this guy want your wife? Maybe she's sus. Turns out FBI hottie was right the whole time. Do you maybe think that maybe she, she went to Quantico? Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think maybe she is good for something? <laughs> is she a trained agent? Um, maybe she's a double agent. That would be a fucking sick twist. And that's too much. That's too many layers. Also, uh, at she some doesn't point, have the. I don't remember what cojones. episode, but I don't think I don't think either of us mentioned it. It might have been in my episode. Clearly, I've, I was on one. Um, thing two. And Meryl Jr. were, like, flirting. So I, I see a, a romance blossoming. They were flirting 
about facts about Einstein. He was like, oh, you know Einstein this? And she was like, yeah, and Einstein also that. And then he was like, and Einstein also this and that. And then she was like, ugh. But then <laughs> and it's that like, was the whole scene. But then it's like you're giving thing two, you know, an arc. But what about thing one? Like, she's the one doing all the real I mean, work. <laughs> Seeing as we didn't learn their name. Um, Okay, so we're just going to wrap it up. We love you guys. Next episode might be a little bit of a wink-wink surprise, um, but you will get parts two and parts three of Zero Hour. Please don't watch or read any spoilers for the show. If you want to watch it, just watch episodes one through four because... Be on this journey with us. Yeah, we want you to like be on the edge of your seat. I know we're doing a really really good job of recapping so tune in um please follow us on instagram at dearly departed the pod and follow us on our new twitter yes at dearly the podcast yes yes this was how i had to just let her count fit because it's name. getting embarrassing that me and abby are the only ones favoring our own tweets yeah i really need you guys to favor my tweets they're really really good um, so it's, it's <laughs> dearly de d e yeah podcast. Hopefully you can spell the word podcast. Dearly de podcast on Twitter. Are you sure you don't want to say it one more time? Dearly de podcast. Thank you and good night. Dearly departed is brought to you with love, sweat, tears, and boxed wine. Our theme song is by Ben Muller of Low Ceilings. His music is available on Spotify and Bandcamp. Follow at Low Ceilings Music on Instagram for updates. Artwork by Hunter Bustamante, who you can also follow on Instagram at Hunter Bustamante. Till the next cancellation.